0: We say
1: things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Yeah.
0: Hello
1: everybody and welcome to We Say Things episode 128. Suns fan here with Cinder and a special guest, Jack, aka KBBQ, aka Korean Barbecue. Greetings, good sir.
0: Hello. What a good name.
2: Good, uh, good to be reunited with you guys again. The last time we did this, it was on that uh, cold, rainy set in Romania. Oh, wow. Yeah, true. That's, that
1: is true. You know, Jack has said, well, first of all, I need to, before we get doing the Patreon stuff, Jack has begged to be on this show for a year and a half now. Is this accurate? Would, and I'm not exaggerating here. You've been on hands and knees begging. And then right before we started recording, he asked, do I need to put my webcam on? That's when I lost all faith <laughs> that he actually watches the show. so what's what's the fucking story here, Jack? huh?
2: I've watched snippets and, and bits and pieces <laughs> here and there, and I didn't know if you know you made an allowance for no webcam. also i I'm still convinced that the reason we're finally doing this is because of the plug I gave uh, during late game. That's um, true. so finally, I've earned my slot.
1: Yes, yes, thank you absolutely. For that. We sold so much merch that we don't sell. Actually, people have asked about it because of that, uh, I won't lie. So maybe in the future. We'll give you like 1% cut or something if we do that.
0: I like that as a concept, though. If people want to be guests on our podcast, they need to pay us to show. <laughs> I think that's good. Yeah, That's what most podcasts do, right? So.
1: Indeed. So before we get started with uh, talking to Jack, he's going to sit here awkwardly while Cinder and I give shout-outs to our in tier of Patreon. So here we go. Thank you. You should yes Okay. No, we're not going to go the no, i was going to say
0: i would no i would like jack's genuine reactions to the names like you just react however you like when you hear these names
1: if there's something that's just out of the ordinary that you think is worthy of some sort of reaction then make a reaction otherwise mm-hmm. we're not going to stop talking all right i'll take the first step okay. thank you too my name is not john Killinin. send how much for you to cast one of my stupid i mean awesome pubs Fithak. Games for Falling Asleep unironically thinks that Dota 2 can grow to millions of players and more with more aggressive marketing. Zaddy Ouch. Sova, Disco Farm D, Vincent Darksey, Elden Ring is my new wet dream, Semper Pie, Hakuna Matata, The Guy in the Chair, Commander Donut, Suns fans, fan, and Cinder Man's Man. Brad Sheeran says, Good luck at the Animager, Sind and Suns Hope to see you two cast together. Not gonna what? lie, when I saw this, I literally had to look up if I copy-pasted the wrong fucking thing from like six months ago chakar you got me uh dubai dublin the mega pope. we have been in lockdown for 85 days and it's not fun Reap, read reaper yet ti in new zealand and zan xavier thank you
0: also nate thicko zero one ham bacon dota will be a better game if their next hero is a car salesman wearing a pirate hat and his ultimate is called Horsecock. cock <laughs> we think about that one jake <laughs> Shark TM Top. Nothing to see here, underscore man. Okay, but for real though, sins fan, can you please use your ice frog connections to add the to get the add all loading screens to shuffle button back? What do you think about that one, Jack? Do you remember that button? Could add uh, all loading screens to one shuffle. You can't do that anymore. You need to add them one at a time. Really? Yeah, it's super annoying. Pitch black, not aftertaste. <laughs> then is not as easy as it used to be. talk Anonymous, Sinner and Sultry Singing Soothed My Saddened Soul, parenthesis, for $30. The CD was given its letter designation as the media technology to follow cassette tapes that had sides A and B, Niebling. Hmm. That's interesting. I never thought about that. That sounds fake. Is it? That sounds fake, doesn't it? It stands for compact disc. But maybe they just made that fit so that it could be the CD. Who knows? Uh, Percadurc Initiation, running into other We Say Things patrons in pubs is fun. Thank you guys very much. Thank
1: you so much. Good job, Jack. Thank you for sitting through that, Jack. We really do appreciate it. Okay. That was
2: fun. You don't need to thank me. I enjoyed it.
1: Perfect. Okay. So before we talk about you, Jack.
0: our audience, Shannon. You don't understand how much you
2: love it.
1: We have a very special rapid fire initiation. I'm going to give you two options and you choose one. Okay. And I'm keeping mental score here. Kyrie Irving or Rasheed Wallace? Rasheed Wallace. Michael Jordan or LeBron James?
2: Oh, no. I still got to go with MJ.
1: Spaulding or Wilson?
2: Mm, Spaulding.
1: Cake or pie? Pie. Oh, Oh, So close to a perfect score, Jack. So close. But cake is the correct answer. I do apologize. Well,
2: if it's ice cream cake, I'm taking that. But other than that
1: i'll give you a half point then ice cream cake is I, legit
2: i didn't
0: can you be more wrong than zero what's ice cream cake
1: it's delicious you should try it oh, right? they okay. don't have that in in denmark yet okay well
2: he doesn't know that's that, i consider that a personal failure on your part he has a lot of he has
0: a lot of but personal something else ice cream cake oh wait i think i know what you mean yeah we have that okay that's, yeah that's All
2: right. good
1: okay great reformatted rebooted and we're good to go to start the episode jack uh can you for people that may not know who you are can you how would you describe who you are as a from a career
2: standpoint um so i i don't like to describe myself but i guess the simplest way would be that i'm kind of a jack of all trades when it comes to stuff in dota i feel like i've Done like a lot of different things. I think that's probably the easiest description from like, you know, broadcast to small things helping with production to working on the team side to uh, sort of being media kind of almost all angles except, you know, obviously being a dev or anything like that. I would say that's probably the clearest description.
0: Which team did you play pro for?
2: Mm. Oh yes, I th- that part also I am not part of the I'm not part of the Cinder and Cabal I was hoping I was hoping there was a really good Cinder. story
0: here that I didn't know about you playing pro in NA.
1: You could have said Counter Strike and we would have believed you. That's what yeah. I get away with every week.
0: That's the that's the way we handle it here. All
1: right. So this is a guest episode. So if those that haven't watched before, uh, we're gonna talk about Jack, his life kind of in chronological order, whatever he thinks is uh worth talking about, and then we'll get into more modern stuff the later we get. So uh early life jack where did you grow up what kind of stuff did you do in school like did you major in anything do you have a degree anything like that talk to me oh
2: man i haven't early asked, life
0: what's your degree
2: <laughs> i've been asked these kinds of questions in a long time um i oh man this the life story recounting okay i was i was born in shanghai and then i came to the u.s when i was very very little three years old i grew up in upstate new york um and then i moved to new york city basically uh in, in, junior high school. Um, and so my, my parents moved me here because they wanted me to attend a, you know, or try to get into a good public high school. And so obviously no kid wants that, you know, no kid wants to leave their friends behind for school. Um, but it's, it was one of those things where it ends up being a great experience because New York city is New York city and it got me away from the tiny town that I was in before. Um, so for early life, I would say, you know, that, that, that pretty much encapsulates it. And then, Um, as with many people, I played a lot of games growing up from, you know, N64, Golden Live from before that, like obviously NES and SNES and and all these games and, you know, games got progressively better. I played my first online game was Age of Empires 2, which I still occasionally play even 20 years later um, on the, I'm an MSN gaming zone. Um, I even won a t-shirt, uh, which at the time was way too big for me, but I eventually grew into, um. And that's when I the, the door to like online gaming kind of opened. Like you, you know, you can just obviously you play with people from wherever. I met people through online games. Like I remember the first time, one of my closest friends actually I met through Age of Empires, and I, I was so scared to like meet that you know that person in person and like both of our families and like you know there's a lot of fear and stuff. But but it turned out great, and he's end up being like one of my closest friends. Um, so yeah, like this whole you know, kind of grew up with like games, so to speak, right? This is mm. like our, our generation, our, you know, right. it, we,
1: yeah. I have two slight segues here. Number one, uh, just to give you some background, I loved RTS games back in the day. Brood War was like one of my favorite games of all time.
0: And uh, this is about Jack, not you.
1: AoE 2 was a classic. What do you think of AoE 4? Because my perspective is, I think I'm just over like slow paced RTS mm-hmm. games. Like if StarCraft, I can watch. I think StarCraft is still enjoyable, but AOE 4, I don't understand why people are excited about it. What are your
2: thoughts? I actually, so I haven't really played much of anything lately, so I haven't had a chance to play AOE 4. I think so, in the sense, like, the the Blizzard RTS games were a lot faster paced, and, like, the resource gathering was much more simplified. Like, there's usually, like, two resources, right? Um, And then, obviously, Warcraft became, like, a tactical RTS. So what you're talking about with this, like, slow buildup into huge armies, like, that's not really a thing anymore, but I think the what AoE has done really well is, like, in general, is add this replayability to it because of all the sieves; They're, like, slightly different. And also the random map generation instead of the set map seeds that you had in Warcraft. So I think those elements add a ton of replayability, and they make, like, those big team games really fun because you just see, like, different, you know, mm-hmm. unique units or whatever every game. So... For those reasons, I didn't like Age 3 because I didn't like the, the sort of card system. And Age of Mythology, I think, was a hidden gem that doesn't get talked about enough. That, that was, like, game really was so good. good. Yeah, and oh, it was like this It was like this great balance because you could age up in like a few minutes um, instead of the, the super slow buildup of like AoE 2, right? Where like you're not even fighting usually until like, you know, Feudal or Late Dark Age. And that's like 10 minutes into the game. So um, that's that's always been the appeal of the Age series. There's just like this endless replayability. And you have these really Once cool map concepts. Yeah. You, you have these uh really cool oh wow, it really is <laughs> living in New really York cool, City uh, classic. Yeah, <laughs> you have these uh cool map concepts like Land Nomad. Um, I'm not sure you're familiar. Where you just like start off with like scattered villagers and you have to f- pick a place to build. Um, like cool concepts like that that are like you mm-hmm. know really good in RTSs.
1: Okay, uh, even more of a segue. Uh, basketball. I don't have this on the list of things that I said we would talk about. Of course, we have to. How did you get into yeah, well, it? Yeah, absolutely have. What, to. What's your fandom exactly? I I kind of know the the answer to this, but go ahead.
2: Sure. Um, so in, in upstate, I remember one of my earliest memories. I guess from there is uh, you know my my dad like worked like all day and night almost to like set up this basketball hoop, and you know I played a lot with my neighbors, played on sort of the obviously like little kiddie school teams at the time. Um, I always just loved it, and that was the era of like I would say the golden age of basketball. Like you had the the Knicks were good. You had those, like the, the Bulls, obviously, um, the Dynasty Bulls. It was just like a great time to play and watch basketball. You know, just the NBC, NBA and NBC theme coming up. Uh, um, every Sunday was, yeah, you know what I'm uh, talking about. Super hype.
1: I, um, I still, literally, I will have dreams of that song. Bob Costas is a god as well. Like, I wish the fact that we have to put up with fucking Mark Jackson ABC finals. Like, what the fuck, dude? garbage and fucking garbage this. commentating anyway. Yes.
2: Anyway. Bob Costas was, was amazing. I, but, but like even, even all of the, even like when they have the Bill Walton, you know, always talking about the, the big, like they <laughs> they just had so much of their own yeah. flair. You know, it was, it was just a really fun time. And then teams really had this like identity you felt like, like when you watched the Knicks or the heat or whatever, they had this like identity about them, right? Like, like there's a lot more physical. So like, you know, games like each basket felt much more important because games were grindier, not this, you no know, era we're in now where like people just, you know, pull up from half court and get you I know, mean, well, not this year, but the games have been like one thirty to one thirty. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's that's all true. The
1: same. there's pros and cons to the to styles. I know is really enjoying this topic, by the way. Uh mm-hmm. I'm out of I don't I don't I, miss I, like I, the the Detroit Pistons in, Spurs, like lockdown defense scores seventy to sixty eight. Those were garbage as well. So it's good to see them come up with some sort of a medium now. Um I was going to ask you another NBA question, but maybe we should move on <laughs> to relevant uh, things. But yeah, You don't like seeing
2: Cinder and Squirm uncomfortably? It, in his I,
1: Legit, oh, I, would, I would be into doing an NBA podcast because I just love talking about it so much.
0: Um, right. Jack, this is how you're going to pay us back for getting on this podcast <laughs> is that you need to make another one with Suns fan. That's right. That's right. There you go. Uh, Jack, I have a question. Speaking uh, of basketball. Can it be Sharon, NBA? You won't believe this. Actually, a segue here. Hmm. You've got some trophies behind you. What, is, what are those? Are they sports related or dota-related?
2: Um, I don't think I don't think any of them's from basketball. I did play like, you know, some of these like tournaments like in the city, like usually with my friends and stuff. Um, but I think those are all from like probably like chess or something. I also used to play that oh, a oh, cool. as a Um I mean I wasn't about like that instead of basketball. I, I wasn't I wasn't like super good or anything, but I you know played at like local clubs and entered these competitions cool. and stuff like that. Um I also I also like there was also a discovery that I was not a land player, I guess, so to speak, because uh, there was a tournament, there was like a rapid chess tournament in ninth grade that I went to in Central Park, and I ended up like scrimming against the people who eventually won or did really well, and I did great in scrims, but when the tournament actually happened, I didn't do so well. So that was my first experience of like, you hmm. know, got to bring it on land when it counts.
1: Oh, first hand experience then. I mean, I think that stuff translates directly, uh, which I guess we'll talk about in a few minutes with you're managing and whatnot. I do want to, one last note before we move on, though. I remember we played basketball together, Shanghai oh major. Gosh. And oh. I was very, first of all, I am so out of sh Like, I, I played one game, and I didn't play the rest of the week because I was just so fucking fat and out of shape and disgusting. But you were so good. You have, like, this killer crossover. I think I told you this. You reminded me, like, your game style was similar to Baron Davis. Would you agree with that assessment?
0: <laughs> I would, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's it's probably a good comparison you know he's also a bit a bit round he's also kind of you know like yeah i would say i would say there's a decent comparison there but like same same with you like you know if you don't play for a while over the years we're just just huffing and puffing we can barely get up and Dude, down i so. get
1: tired just like warming up to play the game itself i like, say watching <laughs> yeah watching just makes my heart palpitate a lot of the time okay anyway moving on uh all right how did you get into dota let's start with that
2: um, so actually, uh, my my friend uh, Maurice, who I was telling you about who I met through Age Two. Um, we played Warcraft Three together, and at some point, he was like, "Hey, you should try out this cool game called Dota." And I was like, "Ah, nah, like you know that looks like too much work. There's there's like eight heroes at the time or something." I was like, "Ah, that looks like too much. I'm just gonna keep playing Warcraft Three later." And then I think like a year or two later, um, I finally like played, and I was like, "Wow, this game's you know this game's freaking awesome." So this was back in. Two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, I don't know if people I mean it's gonna take some crusty old players to remember this, but there was a an in house league just called IHL, the original Oh IHL. yes,
1: that's the only one I remember. Literally yeah. the only one I
2: remember. Yeah, and it was the guy it was the, that guy named Ucross ran it. And this is this league had like all the you know, like like the old school play like Fear, uh Dog Kaiser, uh Merlini, obviously, like those JMC guys. Like it was it was it was a really fun time just like playing those in-house games and they had these two really cool modes back then they played frequently, which obviously one being ARDM and the other was called um, AR Same Hero. Oh,
1: you right. know, sorry. There, there was two,
2: yeah, that was, that was the ones where it was like really funny because like you'd get all Banes and like nobody knew which Bane was which. Um, the, the other mode that was I thought was really cool that we haven't seen is ARMM um, where both teams have the same heroes, but, you know, depending on like the scale of like where you want to lane them, things like that, there's like it's mirror heroes, but how you deploy them and how you want right. to distribute the resources is different. Hmm. um so i mean yeah dota was just was just super fun and and like obviously there's just so much variety to it and that's kind of when i would say the addiction began <laughs> you know like Dota's just endlessly replayable game it's always changing um a lot of like a lot of my gamer friends who i know to this day we, we'd play it together we'd get in those in-house leagues together some leagues i don't know if you remember like dxd on us west had like a lot of flair to them just like Just like all the sort of flaming and all the, all the wit and, and, you know, salt that went into that. It was just, it was just fun. And, uh, that's kind of when the, like I said, that's when the addiction began. Did
1: you play Han at all?
2: A little bit. Um, so what I didn't like about Han is, I don't know if you remember, but at the time they had like a player skill rating, right? And then when you get into a lobby, they like give you like the balance of like the player skill ratings, mm. and then I found what was really annoying to me is like if you had like a fifty-one forty-nine or fifty-two forty-eight, the like other team would like refuse to play or like demand, and then like this to me was just like super annoying. It was like come on, like does everything like either have to be in your favor or be just play the the damn game, you know? So I think mm. after that, I'd never, I didn't, I just went back to Dota, and this was the era of like Dota Cash and thr. and I don't remember these things, but this is THR. all like ancient, yeah. yeah. <clears throat>
1: I mean, you had to use an external program to be able to bind your mouse buttons or use or bind your items, right, to hotkeys, I believe. Or three
0: hotkey.
2: You had to use Dota keys or whatever. And this was also around the time when, like, I really played a lot and I was like, hey, maybe, you know, can I actually get better at this game? And I remember, so we qualified for this lowly league. He was a
0: pro, I told
2: you I don't think it was Sivo, but it was like it was like Sivo or something like that. So like so we made like the pro league because we won like the opens in NA, right? And then one game we played against uh, we played against EG, and I think this was this at the time was like the it was something like like WTF mate, Demon Fear, like something like that. And I remember one of their players wasn't there, like they literally couldn't. make... I think it was Demon. He like couldn't make the match. Of course, so always. we played them four on five, and they still beat us. <laughs> and then I think that's when. The light sort of came out I was like, okay, like we're we're not good any good at this game. So I mean like, you get more gold players. and
1: XP four V five. I mean, it's not that crazy. I've lost a lot of those games in the past, you know? Somebody abandons early on. Sometimes it's easier depending on the lineup. You know what? Cinder
2: might actually remember this. There was also there was actually an MYM game where uh two of them didn't make it and I think it was it was Merlini Milk and someone else, and they played some team three on five and they actually won that game. So <laughs>
0: I don't remember uh, that, but I do remember that team with those players—a three v five. Man, NA sp- must have been really bad at Dota.
2: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, mym was not was not playing in NA. This is you know this is obviously that was the um oh they they came to a land actually the first land I went to was in Chicago it was called Fire and Ice I think it was Oh, like. I remember that name
0: too yeah yeah
2: mym uh, uh came to that they land. won that land didn't they yeah they did they did think they um did. Yeah. but one of the cool stories from that land is. I think it was, was it complexity or something? There was, a, there was a team that came in second place in like the normal portion of land, but they said, hey, like, I bet we could take you in ARDM. Let's play ARDM for money. It was like 200 bucks or something, which at the time was like, damn, that's, you know, you're balling. Uh, and then they they won the ARDM match. So like, that was one of those cool things about that land. I remember, again, being there with my friend. Our team was called like TRNS or something. And it was it was just fun. It was fun to like, you know, know like all these Dota people, and actually like getting together online, like that that was great.
0: So hundred bucks, that might have been know. the second place prize money, basically. <laughs> yeah, it could have been.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty much. Um, so Dota two comes out. Do you make the switch right away?
2: Um, I was a bit busier with like school and stuff at the time, but yeah, eventually, like I still remember the sort of grainy footage and like the limited hero pool and like mm. people picking anti mage every game, myself included. Stuff like that. I still remember those days. Oh, yeah.
0: God. Early Dota 2 hero pool.
2: <laughs> it was like Ricky and Anti-Mage. That was like the carry pool. At I think some the point. most
0: banned heroes of TI1 were AM and Spectre. They were like every game. And there was one team that didn't pick them, and that was Na'Vi. And they were just pushing everyone and winning. Yeah. Because they were just so much better. But yeah, <clears throat> that pool so, was...
1: correct me, <clears throat> Correct me where I'm wrong here. Is the first thing that you did as a quote-unquote talent... The podcast defense of the patients is that the
0: first thing you did?
2: Uh, yeah, um, because
0: I pretty, remember pretty I what did you name that based on?
2: Uh, so I, I wasn't the one who like founded the whole like podcast or whatever, it's just that I I talked to them some because I used to do at the time I was like just sort of randomly writing articles. So, like, you know, I wrote one on NA Dota comparing basketball with Dota. I wrote, hell like, yeah, I wrote actually for for eg briefly i was like writing stuff with um just like about like thirteen like recap and stuff and that's where i met like a lot of people that were in the scene later like uh like conrad and stuff So i first met him mm. um and then i think at some point i just i got in touch with these podcast people and i was like hey i'd like to do you know maybe like try one of these shows and maybe have it more be more about the pro scene and try to get people and i remember i think it was like uh, we got like Ali on one of the shows because he loves to talk about stuff and like so it, it was it was fun and uh, it was just I was just really curious about professional teams and like you know how they did stuff and and like I just fascinated with the competition aspect of things. So that was like, you know, I wanted to do, do stuff that covered the pro scene. But at the same time, the media in in Dota has always had a pretty tough road because they're not really they're not really enabled or empowered that much. And it's like really hard for people to see any reason or incentive to like speak to them. And so, you know, like I went to an event in New York as like with like a press pass or whatever, but like you barely got any access. You didn't really get to talk to people. Like that was like my background for like grad school for journalism. But like, clearly there wasn't really a path into like media stuff, unless you're again, doing this sort of content creation entirely on your own. Mm -hmm. So,
1: Do you think that what's the right way to phrase this? Do you think that that is something that will cuz it's not that's not how it is in other games depending I mean it depends on the title obviously but Dota is kind of in its own bubble right as we've talked about so many times do you think this is something that will ever change or is that just something we have to get used to
2: Um I think you're starting to see it I mean I think it's been better so to speak for other games but if you look at like traditional sports and like the sports media it it kind of grew out of this like symbiotic relationship right like like they're covering the games at the same time, they're helping to promote and grow the games, and that's how it is today. It's like you have all this twenty-four-seven sports media coverage that helps to grow the game and keep people interested, and it's like a, it's a symbiotic relationship. But in Dota, that hasn't, that doesn't really exist because there isn't really much value placed on like the promotional aspect of it. And then again, players and teams have like. No incentive in the age of social media to talk to anybody else to give them your stories when they can misrepresent you when they you know maybe don't do it as well if you don't have mm-hmm. people who are professional about it why not just go and do it yourself um, or hold on to the value of it yourself that's in that's a social media thing in general when you can you know one tweet or one Instagram post away from promoting yourself why would you let somebody get all this access and time and attention doing it instead
1: yeah that is a yeah I love Talking about like the similarities and differences between traditional sports and uh, esports in general. And I, I know a lot of people that they once that once that is spoken out loud, they're like, No, 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 we don't want to copy traditional sports, but at the same time, like I'm not saying everything needs to be copy pasted because obviously I want the casual nature of esports to continue to be the way it is. But there's a lot of stuff that you, it's like looking into your future. It's like, do you not want to see like clearly this and this are very similar. And if you go back in time and look at what traditional sports did and how that grew, you could literally just skip steps and do that. But people are just so fucking stubborn, you know? Really bothersome.
0: It also seems like players don't necessarily understand the inherent value of having a brand because they're not going to play forever, right? Like, uh, being—you can get, I guess— Kind of far by just being a superstar, but for a lot of players that doesn't necessarily happen. And then having that media side could get you like side gigs or maybe something you could transition into when you do retire. Uh, especially some of these players, you know, quit their education. Maybe they finish high school and that's it. They don't have like uh, any sort of of degree. So uh, when Dota's over, that's that's been a path for some people, right? Like getting into you know team management or. Um, joining an org in some sort of capacity or, you know, becoming talent or whatever it is, uh, if you don't have that training and that presence, you don't really have any, like, stock in that regard, right? Um, And for a lot of players, that's all it is. And I mean, peace be with that, a lot of players only want that. They only want to play and they don't care about the other stuff. But I think some players miss out not knowing what it is they could have. Um, And you're seeing a lot of players actually kind of discover that about themselves when they get into streaming, right? Um, So...
2: For, for yes. sure, that's a that's a conversation we've had on our team like uh, multiple times. I mean, like again, looking at the traditional sports parallels, like I've tried to you know explain, like if if you take the long term view of your career, if you're an athlete of any sort, you don't have transferable skills, generally speaking, and so. Your your earning window is going to be pretty small, and then for Dota especially, the volatility is high. And so yeah. the thing is, what ends up being the mindset is you have this very lottery ticket mindset because of how big TI is, right? Like you're playing for your lottery yep. ticket to win the lottery, so you can cash out and be done with it. But you know, and instead you have this long view of my career is going to be this number of years. If I slowly you know like drop in the bucket, build my presence, uh, or opens other doors, things like that. That that's ideally the direction that people go in, but the the short-term benefit of things that I guess prevents a lot of long-term solutions or even organization I would say um you know it, it kind of stops people from thinking that way and there's no there's no excuse for it but it's just a harder thing to to build right. um yeah, yeah the I'm thing sure. you just
0: said about lottery ticket uh, I just want to follow up on that because I okay let's do a little thought experiment I'm really curious what you think about this because you know a lot of the aspects of the game, right? You get 50 million dollars right now and you get to run the next DPC season and TI. How do you distribute the prize money? Like what are you going to do? If you had total control, what would you do with 50 um, mil?
2: I mean, I've I've personally uh sort of spoken out or written about this or whatever. I've been favored for of, of a long time, but I think you want you want everything to matter as much as possible. I think if your TI is again, you know, if your TI is 20 million, it's still TI. It's still the most prestigious Tournament, it's still like a huge feather in everyone's kept. It's still a career maker. Um, and yet like the rest of the season has a lot more consequences and matters. I think if you go back to the first DPC season, which obviously had its own set of problems, um, we had so much Dota. It was like every weekend there was like qualifiers, you know, and then like there's this fear of burnout and oversaturation and all that. But one of the things that did was um the top teams then can't they can't have every slice of the pie, right? And so right. that creates opportunities for like, those were the opportunities come in for tier one, tier two teams to go to get lands, get to land experience, win stuff. Um, and yet I don't think, I don't know what the numbers would be, but like, I don't think there was that much fatigue because people who like, like Dota, like the regions, whatever, like they're still watching. They're still tuning in to watch. Like every, if there's games every weekend, every other weekend, they're still involved in the scene. Um, and then again, TI is still TI. It's still a life-changing amount of money and a life-changing event but other things matter and capture your attention throughout the year. This is what people are talking about with the old major system. Um, you, know, where you had like a $3 million prize pool now through this season. If you win all three majors, that's gonna winning three majors, by the way, this is you're winning like three mini TIs basically, uh, that that's going to get you like what 13th to 16th place worth of money. And so, yeah. uh, you know, you're in this era where those events are basically global TI qualifiers for your lottery ticket. Um, I think, obviously, some things have gone in the right direction. But I think if you want a scene that's like that's like healthy, it has a lot of exposure year round and has opportunities and upside for people. Uh, I th- I think that that sort of distribution is is more favorable uh, in that regard.
0: So TI should be worth forty percent of the year instead of eighty. Is what you're saying basically? And then all of the other prize money, where does it go? Does it just go in the majors? Do you want more tournaments? Do you want tier two stuff? Do you want? a new region to be unlocked, like maybe Africa or something like that?
2: Um, I think, I think for regions, obviously it depends on sort of player base. I think one thing I would advocate for admittedly somewhat selfishly, but for like realistic reasons is maybe there's like a site adjustment to the regional prize pool, just based on like living standards, because if you have the same across the board, like obviously that's a lot more appealing in South America or Southeast Asia than it is in NA where it's like minimum wage or less. Um, but obviously there's you know, self-motivated interest there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like beefing up, up obviously those circuits and also like the majors. Um, because again, what you're doing right now with this major system is you're also saying that third-party events are going to be like kind of squeezed aside. Like most of them you saw were the big ones are going to be like post, post-TI post qualifiers, right? Um, because the DPC okay. is still the end-all be-all because it's still built all around TI. So if that's the case, then you're giving people more of a chance to earn and to like do well, like at these majors, it just reduces the risk for teams and players um, versus this, like literally you won't know if your year is successful or an abysmal failure until TI. And that's right. you know, that's pretty high. I think the,
1: the lottery ticket terminology is actually quite fitting because it has a negative connotation towards it. Right. And that's not something I've heard anybody use to describe TI, but it's kind of true. Uh, Cause it's all like, one week of you're just playing better than you have the rest of the year, maybe you're not actually that good. You can fluke your way to like a really good position. Like we fluke to second at TI for God's sake with DC. Um, and something that we Cinder and I have brought up before is if the whole idea is trying to break the record every year, that's fine. If that's actually what is like really important for Valve, but then just cap it for $1,000 more than last year and then the surplus goes towards the rest of the year. For dpc which maybe the first year wouldn't be that much but if you're going to continue to like milk the community for all this money then you might as well distribute it accordingly
0: at a certain point i I think we also agree shannon that to an extent ti's size is or well the size of the prize pool is something that valve is largely in control of i think we both agree that if they wanted to they could make another 10 million on that prize pool um Probably, right? They could put mm-hmm. in more stuff that is appealing to people. I don't think they like go to the absolute limit of their potential in terms of creativity or whatnot, or using their workforce to make the TI compendium as appealing and as crazy as possible. The reason There's for that is because they have they to up
1: it. it the next year. That's the reason.
0: Exactly. That's the problem. But you, like you could imagine if they wanted to go that extra distance for the the dpc for example like you said just beat the prize pool or whatever but i also feel like from a standpoint of like why does the story have to be that ti has the biggest prize pool why can't it be the dota 2 season has the biggest prize pool why can't that be the goal instead um is that because it got beat by fortnite they had like that season with was a hundred million across the entire year or whatever it was for that um i seem to remember there was like this insane fortnite season at yeah, one but point it's
1: divided by god knows how many tournaments right so yeah of course
0: yeah um so, but yeah, we've we've talked this to death on this podcast. I know you don't watch our podcast, Jack, and that's fine. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're. I think we're very much in the in the same boat here. All right, I we, think honestly, everyone we talk to seems to agree about this, except right. Valve. <laughs> Every player we've talked to, the except the people who matter. To,
2: um,
0: yeah, it's interesting okay. We we did skip ahead, ahead
1: a little bit, so let's backtrack slightly, and we'll continue to talk about this stuff, but. Uh, so you went from the podcast defense of the defense of the patients to translation. You did a lot of translations for tournament. This was before you were talent, and then it kind of turned into you being talent. But talk about the translation uh, jobs that you got early on. How, how were those?
2: Um, I so I live in New York, and there was ESL one New York. The first one I went to, like as a press or whatever. The second one, um, basically, they needed a translator. I think someone else. I forget who was else was like wasn't available so um i you know i had an opportunity to do it and it was it was uh it was fun i remember the first time i did like a live i think it was with aggressive on stage and i actually i've gone back and watched a video of this but i was nervous and like i asked him a bunch of stuff like kind of quick fire and like a translated and then he he like didn't understand what i was saying so i actually looked at the crowd and he was like what he said, what? And then like the crowd started laughing. And I remember being there, like at first I was like, oh crap, I just, I really, you know, messed that one up. But then I also felt like, okay, I made a pretty big you know, mistake and the world didn't end. I'm still here. So why not? Let's just keep going. So um, that was just really exhilarating and, and cool for me because I never really did much public speaking and stuff. And it, you know, it was like, it took some of the pressure off. It's like, okay, I can mess up. And uh, of course that was nowhere near the biggest foul up that I had, like doing translation, but that's basically how it started. And then um, through that, um, I got to know uh, some people, obviously, who were working in the scene. And that's when uh, I, I only don't name them or credit them because I'm not sure if they want to be publicly exposed. Uh, but um, I went to Toronto uh, to shoot the Eternal Envy uh, documentary to help translate for that, basically. And then that's when, after that, I got invited to the Frankfurt Major. And um, that's basically, you know, that's, that's when... Mm-hmm. It, the ball started getting rolling. So, a
1: all right. Before we get to the talent stuff, for translation, I, you said you were born in China but moved to New York like pretty early in your life. I'm guessing your parents spoke a lot of Chinese in your household, or did you also go to school for that in addition?
2: Um, a little bit, I think. Uh, so, I went to China for school for a few very short like semesters. Like, I went for mm-hmm. one semester in third grade. I went for another semester after high school before college, and what those did was they gave me like a bit of a like like linguistic foundation Hmm. um like if you can you know lay the foundation and you come back later like it it comes back a little bit quicker but my chinese was honestly like it's never been that great and for dota especially like i had to put in like a lot of time and like i had to like study and learn a lot from like commentators and stuff too to like get all the terminology done because there's so many like shorthand names for heroes and i remember just having like a notebook with this stuff like written down and kind of and repeating it to myself. Um what's the there's, weirdest there's so many memes hero
1: name that they use over there.
2: Uh off the top of my head I can't think of stuff that's super weird, but there's just like there's just like funny ones. Like uh like you know, Underlord's just like big butt. Uh there's there's just these <laughs> like there's just you know, I, I I'll try to think of think of like a good one, but they've I oh, think I like read
0: that. the other day that they called Dawnbreaker Sun Mommy, literally that that's the Chinese really? translation. Is that true. If some they're gonna mommy, use
1: big butt for Underlord, you gotta talk about her uh, thighs. My goodness, yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have to be body specific, I guess. Big uh, mama. There's, there's uh yeah. There's some some pretty cool ones.
0: Uh, um, I'm curious. So, I think uh, this is just anecdotal, by the way. But my impression when I see interviews and I see the community response is that. I see the most negativity about translations from b- between English and Chinese when that's done at events. I think people are most critical about those. Um, is it just ex- exceptionally difficult to translate between those two languages compared to, say, like the Spanish-speaking countries or the Russian-speaking countries? Um, or, or why do you think that is? Or do you think it's because the community is just more vocal about the translations and the, the Chinese scene has a lot of pride in that?
2: That's a good question. I'm I'm really glad you brought that up cuz I've never really talked about this publicly. Um I think one for sure there's a there's a big like Chinese speaking community and a lot of times like I mean you know how like reddit or, or forums mm-hmm. go like they can be very critical about like micro things. Um I think it's hard in the sense that the sort of cadence and grammatical structure of the languages is different. So like you so when you're when you're translating, you don't just take like the sentence, the words and stuff. You have to like kind of reverse the structure and re- rephrase things so that it sounds like it makes more sense. Um, I think the other thing that people kind of don't realize is you can't really just go and get a normal translator and expect them to do it well because they're not going to know any of the terminology. Like this is like extremely specific terminology in DOTA, especially like. When players talk using slang for like each other for hero names, like they call each other by nicknames. They don't like say the guy's ID in like English or whatever most of the time. Um right. so you have to know who that is. You have to know if they refer to a hero that has like multiple names. You have to know like both the slang version and like the official version. Um, if we're talking about items, for instance, there's like or skills, there's like a there's like a slang version. There's like like you have to know all of these things and just be able to get them. And then there just aren't that many people out there who can do this. And the other thing is. Nobody who can do this is like doing this like full time and practicing it because that's no, right. no not even remotely sustainable. It's so, like if you want to be a translator for this super niche, you know, like game, like you're niche? gonna have to be doing other is things. Niche,
0: Shannon? Don't <laughs> oh.
1: live in MA. it's acceptable.
0: <laughs>
2: niche. Um, You have to be doing like other stuff or like you know, you might not even be available because like you, you don't know when you're gonna be hired and events don't really hire, I know events don't really hire translators anymore. So they either do it remotely, obviously, because of COVID, or they stop doing it on site, or they just get a player who, like, speaks the language, right? So it's not like there's, like, it's not like this is a career path, or, like, you can have people do this. So, you know, try to understand they're not just going to pull somebody from nowhere to do it, and the pool of qualified people is pretty small. And it's also, of course, this is just a standard online thing, but it's always easy to nitpick when somebody makes a mistake, than when you're actually out there trying to do it live, and trying to remember everything that's being said. And with that, I'll also mention some of the biggest mistakes that I've made, um, other than missing memes and stuff. Like, I remember at the Shanghai Major, among other things, the audio and sound was done in a way such that I couldn't, I literally couldn't hear, like, the I couldn't hear what the person was saying. So I remember I had S4 with me, and I couldn't hear what he was saying. I, like, leaned into him, like, to try to, and I couldn't. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm just making this up then. <laughs> and I come back backstage, and I see, like, the, The uh, chat comments and it's like I give this translator like zero points you know I was like I was like yeah I just I had to make up what he was saying because I couldn't hear him you know Mm. so there's like things like that um that that people don't really know about
0: it just makes you look bad so that's just bad production right
2: yeah yeah now obviously something like that is you know pretty rare but that
0: just reflects poorly on you that sucks yeah um Okay, that's really interesting, though, because I think out of the stuff that you said, that seems like, just for my own anecdotal, again, playing the game and just hearing Russian players and talent talk and whatnot and playing with them in the, in the European region, uh, a lot of the things use the English terminology, but with Russian dialect, right? So they will call Pudge, he's called Pudge, right? But in Chinese, he's just called something totally different. So for the translators, I could totally see why well, that's a really big challenge. That's very interesting.
2: So, yeah he would just be the butcher but that's not that's not like a bad right. example you know there's some like mm-hmm. big fish little, whatever like there's just stuff like that
1: wait who's big fish uh, like,
2: it's it's sardar and slarks yes.
1: oh big he's fish little fish, fish. really oh, yeah fun. or like
2: that's one of the many sort of <laughs> okay. ones they have yeah.
1: so when they're when they're okay what is it in chinese though like how's
0: tight what's, t- what's tight hunter is he huge fish or
2: <laughs> well, he's he's just he's just tied but
0: oh okay
1: are there any names that are just like really long that when they're saying them, it's actually Chinese because typically people uh, will shorten everything, right?
2: No, but, but like Chinese itself is like economical because every word is like one is a single syllable. Mm-hmm. So you can get across like pretty big things fairly quickly. Oh, yeah. um, mm. I don't know if you've read like, like, uh, like Malcolm Gladwell. I, I forget what the name of the book is, but he explained that uh, like basic arithmetic or whatever is easier for certain languages because precisely because of this. So like in English you have like, you know, when you get to like the tens, you have like 11, 12, 13, it's like multiple syllables, not that intuitive, Mm -hmm. but in Chinese or some other languages, it's like, it's still very short. Wait, are you saying
1: that Asians being good at math is actually not a stereotype and is real?
2: It's I I wouldn't say as broadly as being good at math, but like for like, simple arithmetic across like a small scale, there's like mm. the speed and like, uh, co- like compactness and efficiency of language does make a difference because it's easier to conceptualize those numbers when you have, you know, like a single syllable.
1: Right. Do you speak any other languages?
2: Um, Not, not unless you count uh, Shanghainese, which is a dialect of Chinese as a separate <laughs> language. I see. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, maybe on your resume, you can put that. It looks more Well, pleasant. I've been told
2: that my Shanghainese sounds more, Authentic than my Mandarin to the point where I can, you know, get away with getting into a, into a cab and the Shanghainese guy won't take me for a ride because he knows I'm not from there. Oh, my explanation for that is I listened to my parents argue in Shanghainese growing up, so I <laughs> got that foundation there. The best way to learn,
1: at so uh, <laughs> Okay, transitioning from uh, translation to analyst work. You said you worked at the uh, Frankfurt Major. How was the experience just in general being an analyst on panels? Uh, you said you were nervous the first time you did translation. Was it the same for when you were an analyst? I
2: don't remember the first time I got to do any, like, analyst stuff. I think it might have been at, like, a BTS, um, just, like, being on the couch or whatever. Um,
1: oh, wait, sorry. Frankfurt Major was translation? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay.
2: Um, or actually, no. It might have been on, like, the Chinese broadcast or something in, like, Manila. Like, I remember, it, like, yeah. like, like you know, either asking or whatever, like, hey, I could, you know talk a little bit about some of the Western teams.
0: Um, they were like, damn, this guy's Shanghainese.
2: It's, uh, it was... Uh, it, it was it was really fun. Obviously, like I I kind of always wanted to do that. So in, in some ways, it was like a dream come true. Um, and then, but one of the things that you realize, especially if you if you've been out of the game for a bit, and I'm sure cinder and, like you can understand and relate to this is like you realize sometimes how little you really know of like the team's sort of, sort of internal thought processes and like what they actually think of stuff. Like you can do your best to bring your understanding to the game. You can mm-hmm. do your best to bring these sort of little factoids and like fun things, um, and points of discussion. But in terms of like strategically what the teams actually think about stuff like if you're not either watching scrims or talking to them it's like really hard to get a sense of that and i think that's that's one thing that's like again hard for like talent to do is like really keep their pulse on like what the pros are thinking and stuff obviously they have a high level some of the talent have a very high level understanding of the game which comes close to the the thought processes that you're seeing like at the professional level but you know there's still like a pretty big gap there i would say just because some so many of this comes down to just like personal opinion or like what one team values over another um it's hard to get into their heads from the outside and it can
0: change really fast right there's a patch and you've played let's say you've played competitively in one patch and you don't in the next even within like two months the framework of what people are working with and and what is emphasized and what happens with the development of the game can can change really quickly so yeah, I agree. I think if you want to really stay on top of the analyst game and basically talk about it to the same exact level as a pro player in terms of just the raw knowledge, I think you, you have to play competitively yourself, or it's just not really possible. Um and then it's obviously the, the upside that I guess most talent or all talent really have over the pros is their ability to, you know, communicate the message, right? A lot of pros may be super knowledgeable about the game, but maybe not so good on camera or maybe not so good at putting things into words that a casual audience will understand, which is really challenging, right? Um, but yeah, that's, that's very true. And I, I think, you know, I, I think what most analytical talent draw on, I don't know if you will agree with this, like it varies a lot how much pro Dota analytical talent watches. But, so that means I think the strongest framework that you have is the highest level of public games that you play. Like, how do these players, what do you itemize? What heroes are popular? What combos are popular? Uh, how do people play the map? But obviously it is different on a pro level, but that's still like, that's a good framework. And then you try to combine that with what you see in the pro games.
2: Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, one of the fundamental things there is like, obviously more for some regions than others is like laning, right? So like if you mm-hmm. play at a high level, you can, you kind of see like what the meta lanes are, what wrinkles maybe people are throwing in, like what matchups make sense. And then so in the draft, you have an idea of why something's being picked or what's being thrown in there. And then obviously high-level pub games, you're going to see like some quirky stuff from time to time. You're to be like, oh, I saw this idea from like a pub or I saw someone try this in a pub. And so, you know, like it makes sense in the game. So yeah, for sure. Like obviously the people who are high-level players and have that understanding, you know, I would say are probably have an easier time keeping their pulse on what's going on.
1: Any noteworthy tournaments? that you remember being an analyst cough, captain's draft cough
2: (laughs) that was fun that was it was cold but it was it was fun it was just again it was great to just have it was that the last no it was i was going to say was that the last event in north america that had a live audience yes um
1: what else has there been
2: well i the one of the summits had like a small one but it wasn't like an open venue.
1: doesn't count
2: okay all right all right well well, (laughs) it
1: was us jack
0: it, well, was, like it was going to be the Shannon
1: ESL it, major before COVID, right? Like, right when COVID oh, hit. Oh, shit,
0: I forgot. Yeah.
1: That was, yeah, great. That was like, so two, two days, days before the, in the European Oh, my God. At, I totally Canada forgot that. Uh, oh. So, talent work. You liked it, but not enough to stick around, probably because you hated certain individuals, uh, like us two, since you pretended to watch our podcast, which is very evident <laughs> now, Jack. Um. You moved on to managing slash directing Dota 2 teams. So I believe the first one was Vici J. Storm, right? With Jeremy Lin. I need to hear all about this, how that happened. How did you get in contact Uh, with him? It
0: was a good 20 minutes without basketball.
1: (laughs) 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 It's intertwined this time, all right? (laughs)
2: So I'll actually I'll actually follow up with the previous question. So the uh, one of the most more memorable experiences as talent was actually the right before that it was Ti Seven. Um, basically because of uh, Chinese visa issues, um, I was kind of thrown in the deep end of like I had to host the group stage in Chinese, which was like terrifying for me kind of because my Chinese again is it's not that good. And then it's like a like I, I it obviously wasn't good enough to cast, but they needed all hands on deck for the casters. So I actually you know had to become the groups they chose and it was it was probably a little messy but it was really fun but um i think it kind of got me thinking about um as talent like do i want to continue in this direction um it it was always really fun but then i would feel i feel felt like there was like something missing there that like wasn't quite as fulfilling and that was kind of the team and competitive aspect of things um like as talent um i mean i'm, I'm sure you guys have like talked about this or thought about it but Uh, sometimes like the path of upwardness or growth isn't that clear. Um, You're not always getting clear feedback on things. There isn't clearly like a sense of either like stability or growth. Um, And a lot of things are just like kind of murky or nebulous. And like, you're very much at the mercy of like, you know, like various other things that are going on. So that part I didn't really like. Yes, yes. (laughs) Like that part I didn't really like as much. And also like when I, through the process of hosting, like that group stage, I was kind of like, oh, do I want to become... Like, do I want to go in the direction of becoming, like, a host? And then I I kind of didn't didn't really want to do that. And then what really interested me was, again, the team side of things, the pro team side of things, which I hadn't really seen or experienced up close. Um, so following that TI, I know, it's like, some people in the scene, um, I, like, the Jeremy Lin used to, has played Dota, like, with his friends, like, his, his, uh, his brothers as well, like, grew up playing Dota. And so, you know, he was interested. Uh, he'd already done, I think they'd already done VGJ before with, like, the with VG Gaming, like the Chinese team, and mm-hmm. so they wanted to run their own sort of NA team. And so, uh, one conversation led to another. There were some, you know, referrals and some like, hey, this, you know, this guy might be a good fit for this. And then that's basically um, through Jeremy and his obviously like representatives and stuff. We basically put together this this uh, this plan and this idea for running this team in uh, North America. Um, that was it became VGJ Storm versus Very the cool. Thunder that was in China.
1: So, how was working with him like?
2: So I have to say that I I respect very much what he did for us that season because I don't know if you remember, but he was on the Nets and he was injured also like very early in the season, so he had to do like a lot of rehab and like, but but like he when he had time to like you know whether it was hosting us uh, at his place for like a, a pizza party, um, oh, whether no. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of pizza party. Um, whether it was like coming over to like visit us, whether it was doing a call with us, whether it was doing like a YouTube video we did together, like if it's still out there, like the sort of, so you want to be a pro gamer. Um, He, he, like, you could tell that he could have like mailed it in or he could have whatever, but like he went above and beyond like level of effort that he put into everything, like sharing his experiences with us, like from like his nets practices, um, you know, like team dynamics Uh, again, just like inviting like whatever he, he didn't have to do any of those things, but, speaks to his character that he did and the other thing that really stru- stuck out about him is i remember again that ti um i was originally going to translate for him because he was getting a lot of questions from chinese media and his chinese originally wasn't that good but i think within like a span of a year or something it became like pretty damn good where he could like field those interview questions himself yeah. i didn't have to do anything at that ti so that kind of speaks to like the character and the work ethic that he had and then it- it's one of those things where it's like it's uplifting because it's like it's not a surprise like this guy made the nba against all odds and you know these are like elite professional athletes and it's not a surprise that some of them are where they are because they have this tremendous self-discipline strength of character and those are things that we certainly learned a bit from him and that's something that i've always wanted to help impart into like players and, and people that we have I, I think that you know better people make better players um in the long run i think all competitive uh, sort of endeavors and games tend towards this direction where you need more effective people and teammates and like people are going to have their character and their ethos is going to have to improve for them to be the best. Like ultimately right. you cannot, you can't just subsist on talent anymore.
1: Cinder, do you know anything about Jeremy Lin and his like NBA career trajectory? Cause it is actually one of the most interesting timelines that I've, I mean, only been alive 30 plus years now, but I know, it's... I know
0: all about it. You don't have to explain it.
1: So I'm going to explain it for those that don't okay. know, which is Cinder yeah. as well. Um, and Jack, you can fill in the gaps here, but uh, first of all, right. there's not many Asian players that have made it in the NBA, so right. having an Asian player is a big deal to begin with. I think the one with the most success was Yao Ming. He went number one, and he actually lived up to the hype. But then his career kind of ended a little bit earlier uh, because of injury. But he was like seven foot five. He was enormous, and he had like T-Rex arms. But it helped him seven shooting. Seven foot five. Yeah, he had super short arms. <laughs> uh anyway so jeremy lynn it was just like this backup player for the most part and i believe that he was on the new york knicks and injuries with like carmelo anthony who's like the star of the team at the time uh forced him to end up playing a little bit more and he went on a run like i don't think we have ever seen in sports in general it was called linsanity you guys should google like the highlights i've heard that I've heard he that was before. making like first of all new york it's a Their team is, no offense, Jack, their team has been dog shit for many years, but it's the biggest market in the NBA. Um, But he was hitting like last second buzzer beater shots repeatedly for like, I think it was like a month and a half to two month span. And it was like front page news of every fucking sports. And this is like a bench player that nobody had even really heard of before. So overnight became a household name. And didn't end up signing with the Knicks because he was, uh, they didn't agree on the contract. But he went, I think, to the Hawks, if I'm not mistaken. And for the most like the part, Rockets or something, but yeah. Oh yeah, the Rockets. Sorry. And but I for the was. most part, he was just he just kept getting injured over and over, and just never really found his footing. Like he became a pretty decent backup, I think, for Toronto and a couple other teams. But he just bounced left and right to a lot of teams. And I think he's playing in China now. Is that right? Or he was. He, he did
2: last year. But it was this uh I mean it was this kind of like meteoric rise, like, you know, kind of Cinderella story, and then he got injured and then his, his career kinda like leveled off after that. And then you know there were injuries and stuff and uh it was but it just it was just this thing where he went from like an unwanted player who's sleeping on a teammate's couch on like a ten day contract was about to be cut to becoming Probably the most famous person on the planet. Like a week or two later, yeah. Um, to like a string of really good games. So it was, it was, you know, it was a crazy sports story. And obviously, like you mentioned, New York is like the biggest media market in the world, and the Knicks are always starved for, you know, success and relevance. So it's suddenly mm-hmm. like the Knicks mattered again for that for that brief mm-hmm. stretch.
1: Then Dolan made sure to not continue with the success. Uh, okay, I'm lucky. So back to Dota, much to Cinderin's uh, excitement. So VGJ Storm oh, okay. talk let. Take us through kind of the teams that you've been involved with up to the present point and your experiences.
2: Um, so VTJ Storms, so that's, that's where the origin of the Quincy crew name comes from because we were on a team house in Quincy street in Brooklyn.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that was, that was probably the most interesting year by far. Cause we went through, you know, like we had everyone from like Ritsu to to BSJ and monkeys on our roster. Um, we went through Ritsu. a couple of different, mm. yeah. We went through, um, I mean, at the beginning, there was already like a roster signed before I came aboard, but, you know, it became this thing of like, can, you know, like Ritsu, I think left with, like we qualified for a tournament and he left like a week later to like go to like another team or something like that. Sounds Um, like him, yeah. There was, it was, it was a lot of learning about sort of what you can and and cannot do, like the, the actual internal dynamics of a team, you know, how you can potentially influence things, how you can try to empower and enable people um, obviously conflict resolution. It was just, it was just like, a, like everything from doing all the small stuff that you would have to do to just like how to deal with people in a team and, you know, how to try to get the most out of them and try to manage some of the many issues that come up. It was really interesting. And we went through, um, we ultimately like basically had to drop that team. Um, and like, you learn so much about people through this process. Like you learn, it's totally so intense and you learn how people deal with, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. You learn how people deal with, again, extreme conflict, um, extreme disappointment. Um, like f- like finding out if this balance in their life is worth it for them. It's like not everybody can be in this basement on Quincy street grinding, you know, grinding it out, like playing like mm-hmm. three qualifiers in one day. Um, you also learn about things like, you know, the, the difference between like bigger teams and organizations, like the sort of upper hand they get in some of these tournament situations. Um, just all all kinds of stuff like that, and then finally, halfway through that year, basically is when we signed um, the the SVG team that w- that became the the VGA Storm team that you know finally like had some success, won a LAN, came in second at a major, um, and that was like a whole other bucket of stuff. Like we had players of like very different, I would say, like reputation and like level of achievement because this was the year after Rezo came in second, so like Rezo came in as like a he had just been on OG, he came in as like a very established player um so there were like certain you know like dynamics there that are just that weren't didn't exist on the previous team um things like that so it was it was a really interesting year and then at the end of that year basically is when i decided that instead of being a team side like you know quote-unquote director and manager i wanted to be on the player side instead because obviously you know like i think like a strong core of a team is like the most valuable asset that you can have in dota like if you look at the organizations and stuff that have been built—they've been built around successful captains, good captains, um, basically, because they have the ability to always build teams no matter what, and their teams are always going to be good. And that leadership component is so rare and so important. And so, that is uh, what I considered SVG to be, and I, and I still do. Um, he's like a very good person, extremely high character, very good self-discipline, and like standards. Treats people very well, like like you know, extremely intelligent person, like emotionally and. Um, obviously when it comes to like IQ processing and stuff too, and a good player. So that's when I decided, Hey, I, you know, I'm going to work on the team side because the the player, the, sorry, the player side, because the team side is so volatile. And like, despite that year with like the big changes, we were not really able to be, to keep our head above water. Like just very, almost nobody in Dota is, I think, I don't know if a single Dota team is, to be honest, like you have to like pretty much win TI. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I want to be on the player side. And that's when it started the sort of odyssey of it became forward gaming the next season. It was, we were taking in you know, like a bunch of different offers. And this one looked intriguing in terms of uh, both freedom that they offered um, and like autonomy. Um, that was again, uh, just a whole other type of situation to deal with because you're dealing with like foreign ownership and investors. Um, I won't name names, but there was one investor who was like, there was like sort of, I would say like a hidden condition almost like he was like a really big fan of like Rezo and, and I think he gave him sort of like special treatment in some ways. And, th- and those things are like not always good for the dynamics of the no. team. Um, so there's, there's like, there are things like that to deal with. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I, f- I feel like I, I might want to stop here and see if there's, you know like I might've missed and run over some stuff, but yeah, that, that was basically a totally different year. Um, expectations were very high for us. So that was a factor that we had to deal with all of a sudden, like from a team that nobody expected anything of to this team that, oh, you, you, know, you removed Snake King and you got Universe, like one of the most accomplished players of all time. So your roster should be like a stone cold, like top six, top eight type of team. Um, and then so the importance of dealing with expectations, I would say the importance of fit within teams instead of just just like raw star power was like a major lesson that year. So I think our players just didn't fit that well. Um, And, you know, things like that, like dealing with like, again, just being in in the spotlight, having things expected of you, and then just how thin the margins are sometimes. Like so often you're literally one or two games away from a tournament being considered a successful or acceptable run to like everybody's in their room and you're ready to disband. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm sure and like uh, understands this, like the margins are so thin.
1: (laughs) They're quite thick for Cinder, and let's be real. Uh, by the way, I backtracking a bit. I completely agree on SVG, known as LOA now. I, what does LOA stand for? By the way, is that public knowledge yet?
2: I see. I almost feel like because he's not playing now, I almost feel like this is like in bounds. But I'm I'm gonna respect it and just you know I'm I'm still not gonna if you if you guess it, you guessed. I actually successfully guessed it, not to do my own horn, but. You know, it's I'm not gonna reveal mm. it publicly. Okay. Okay. Is Leader he...
0: of America.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's something definitely... something so so uh I think Avery's sophistication is above that.
1: Is he taking a break or what what's the deal?
2: Um he's exploring some some other options. I don't think he's gonna play um in the short term. I don't I don't think I think he might not play again, but then again, that's what we thought when he when he retired too. So right.
0: Lighthouse of Avarice. So <laughs>
2: uh
0: so a this little this bit last, more highfalutin,
2: but not quite. <laughs> this last
1: year and a half, I think COVID came at a bad time. Well, came as a bad time for everybody, but in terms of like career-wise, you guys were doing really well in the NA scene, and obviously TI being postponed, I think, hurt you more than uh, a lot of other teams. Uh, and then the majors came. You The first major, MSS, got COVID, so you had to have a stand-in. You guys didn't do well there. Second major, and a major, you did... Uh, well, you got first in. I believe I'm just going off of memory. You, I think you got first in NA region, so you got upper bracket immediately, right? So you got top six. I want to say,
2: is that right? Yeah, we had that uh, kind of wild game three against Noping. Um, yeah, we, we cast
1: had... that. Yeah, you, you guys. Yeah, uh... that's right. I remember oh, your comments.
2: I, I'm. This is the real reason I'm here. I'm here to just take vengeance upon you guys. <laughs>
1: I think it was no ping that left the shard in the pit, though. So I was raging more at them, if I'm
2: remembering. Correctly. Yeah, I just I remember something like, what's going on? What is happening? I just remember, like your voice cracking as the thrones Dude. being hit on both ways. Yeah, yeah, that, was... that
1: game was a shit show, no doubt about it. But yeah. how was the DPC season overall, would you say, leading into TI 10 for that team?
2: Um, I mean, I'd say obviously other, other than the whole, you know, not having mojo for Singapore and, uh, that I'd say, I'd say it was pretty good. Obviously, like it was such a big deal for us to, uh, you know, people turned down offers to continue grinding through COVID and stay together and people had other options and it was beating EG in both the seasons was like, you know, like a major like amount of validation and proof of concept for us because mm-hmm. we always pride ourselves in doing things, you know, like process over results, like doing things the right way. Um, we we are not one of those teams that just got to pick whatever players you wanted. So, you know, like you are not going to have the most necessarily talent on paper, but you're people who believe in each other and you have a them bonded through a common cause. And we tried, we always thought that we would do things um, smarter and more efficiently than other teams. And again, those wins were major proof of concept to us because we're a team that we weren't getting salary um, since, since uh, COVID began and chaos dropped us. We were not getting salary, um, you know, we didn't have anywhere, we weren't playing even playing together. Like, like, Lelis was playing from Brazil on like 180 ping. Like, we didn't have any of those advantages, and yet we were still able to beat, you know, like at the time, like the second best team in the world, um, you know, and, and the king of our region. We were able to beat them in both seasons, so yeah, that was obviously a big deal for us. Um, so, season, for the Anna Major, I think. Oh, sorry, sorry, ahead.
1: Uh, just real quick. Was season one the one where you beat EG and then lost to Undying? So, you had to do a tiebreaker and then you lost? So, that's why you got second place? Is that the one?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what happened. Um, again, like, we were so eager to to kind of prove ourselves uh, in Singapore, and then the Mojo thing happened. And um, I mean, it was just a difficult tournament to run, but but Paulison, like, you know, bless him, he did pretty well but he wasn't he was like our fourth choice basically um oh, just in for that event yeah because okay. just various logistical mm. um things and limitations um so you know we felt we couldn't put our best foot forward there but you know he, he did admirably but we proved that we like could play because we did okay in the group stage we, like our group stage was like we played eight straight games which cinder i don't know if you've ever done that but if you have to play eight straight matches like That's... with literally 10 minutes in between like you know it, it's that just shouldn't happen. Um, yep. And then for Major, I mean, we had the no Pink series and then we won game ones convincingly against both T1 and VG, but you know, the kind of series, like, like kind of like, there's, like a, there's always like a close game in the series. And then there's one that like that, that one that goes either way. And then there's like one team is favored. It feels like in most best of threes, that's like the way it feels like there's like a toss up and there's like a, a favored game for each team. Um, so obviously, you know, we started strong in both those series, weren't able to close either of them out. And so, for us like it was finally like okay we finally made it to top 6 at like a major but it wasn't like a super satisfying you know top 6 but also it made us feel like look like you know we've we believe in what we've done and we believe that we can be one of the better teams at t- like for the first time i think people felt like hey we actually have like a legit like good team and not just kind of just throwing up a prayer when we get to this ti um so yeah that's that was basically that season leading into ti
1: okay And into TI, talk about, I mean, we experienced it from a talent side, but obviously things are a lot different because of restrictions and whatnot. Uh, How was that experience for the players? Because obviously some Chinese teams were limited to their rooms because of COVID. No crowds. Not sure how that felt to the players. Uh, How was the whole experience for you guys?
2: Um. I mean, obviously for many reasons due due to COVID, um, it was hard to get that stuff run and it obviously felt a bit scuffed compared to like other TIs. Like there's no other way to say it. Like not mm-hmm. having the crowd, um, various restrictions. Um, just and then I mean there were also other things like the I don't doubt that people did the best they could, but the hotel that everybody was at was not a bubble. Um so like you know, that that made things like Potentially a little bit more tense or antsy um, for the for the players. Again, it was kind of like, you know this this is this is what we're here for. Like we're we're so glad that this is finally happening. Like finally we get to play and compete. But there are many aspects of it where it's like, oh man, it's uh, you know this doesn't this doesn't feel like Ti like you know as as it should be or as it could be even. And obviously for Leslaw he probably had the best point of reference. Like this was his first Ti. So for him we've been. Know, kind of pouring honey in his ear about, oh, you, you know, TI will be this, this, and that, and then he was like, oh, this, you know, it's unfortunate with like COVID and all the stuff that, you know, that didn't really come to fruition. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of it was really more just on the positive side, just relief, you know, because the the TI is what kept us going through all that all that time. We didn't know, remember, like we didn't know if there was going to be a TI for so long, and so people were thinking about. Do I go stream? Do I retire? Do I move on right now? Some people did retire from like other teams, but like within our team, those were conversations that people had like, Hey, like I, I there's a stretch where I get asked pretty frequently. Hey Jack, do you know, if there's going to be a TI. Hey Jack, what's going on? I'm just like, I, I can't tell you. I don't know. I, I think so. But you know, is it going to be like a mega TI where maybe they have two prize pools worth? Is it going to be you know like, what's the situation going to be? And obviously when there was the whole Sweden stuff went down, that was more like, Oh, like, is this going to happen? Is it going to get delayed till like next year? Mm -hmm. And then again, we're not getting paid, uh, you know, like salary or anything for that sort of time, just like prize winnings. And so it feels like, you know, all these, all these two years of work have kind of just been invested in this one TI. And so, you know, obviously you have to do well to even feel like you've made it worth it all that time and effort. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah. I I do want to talk about that dynamic of kind of, well, we'll get to that in a bit. First, uh, New Quincy crew roster, congrats. Actually, before
0: you go there, Shannon, Okay. I quickly. Sure. I think this is interesting because it kind of ties in with something you said earlier about dealing with high stress and high pressure situations and dealing with loss. Um, the group stage did not go well for Quincy at that event at all, right? It, things, were, things were looking really, really grim. Um I think, obviously, I've, I have my own experience, and we had a bit of a talk at the event, you and I as well, about it, uh, but I'm curious, like, now that we're out on the other side and you experienced the playoffs and everything, like, what was your biggest takeaway for your team being in the darkest depths of the groups, barely making it through, and then getting wins on the main stage? Like, what was it that, that happened? Uh, how did you pull yourselves back up, and is there some sort of lesson to be learned there for future teams?
2: Yes, absolutely. That was. I'm. I'm glad. I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, that was probably one of the coolest and like proudest and like like happiest I've, I've ever been in Dota. Um, obviously, we came in with like pretty high self expectations. We started two and ten, which is you know like where we go from thinking and talking about upper bracket to being like. We're gonna, are we going to get turbo last as Quinn calls it, which I find to be a hilarious like turbo. And the Quinn, the Quinn described it as, it's turbo last. You zoom straight past like regular last and just get to the, you know, like. Um, so there was, uh, there, was a, there was a pretty good speech, I would say the night before. Um, I remember, I mean, I remember discussing with Avery about like, how, hey, how, what should be the messaging of this? What should we talk about this? And it was kind of like, hey, like, uh, just don't, don't forget like who you are, Uh, you know, like, like, remember, remember who you are, why you're here. Like you're here for a reason. You didn't just forget how to play Dota like overnight. Like you're, you're one of the, you know, you did what you achieved, what you achieved and and done what you've done this season for a reason. And just remember that and just go and play. And I think the big takeaway is that a lot of the pressure was, was kind of taken off people at that point, because, you know, as Quinn and some other people said, it was like, this is, this is actually rock bottom at this point. Like we can't, we can't play any worse than this um and so the takeaway from that is like hey look take a deep breath like you're going to make mistakes and it's and you don't have to do some crazy stuff to make up for it you don't have to win the game all by yourself like you're going to make mistakes and it's fine you you you've stumbled to this point to 2 and 10 and it's fine the, again the, similar to what I said with the on stage like the world didn't end you're still here and you're here for a reason just go and relax and, and play and, and you know play play like a team play as a team things together don't be all trying to do it all by yourself um obviously we had a 4-0 day we had some games that looked again pretty shaky and rough but I think generally speaking we played more like a team like from that point on than than you know like than uh earlier and I think that was that was huge because this that was this like sort of you know this, this term is used inflection point that was a real possible breaking point for our team we could have just that could be a situation where a lot of teams and players will quit on each other and start thinking about well, you know, do I have to retire next year? <laughs> do, do, you know, like what's what's going to happen? Like my stock is just like, uh, or whose fault or whatever. And then, and then instead, that's not what happened. People were like, "All right, we're you know, whatever. Like we're gonna we're gonna we. This is just another crucible of hardship that we've gone through. And you know, like let's let's go play. Avery gave a great speech. Um, it was it was short and sweet, and I, I'm not gonna recount uh all of it i guess but uh, maybe someday and like i'm sure it'll be like in a book or something someday but Avery, avery's had these moments as a captain where he's had to really rally people back from the brink of despair there's another time that he did it at the cq major um and he did that and it was it was nice and simple and you know it like really lightened the mood for everybody um so yeah i i think that was just one of the truly magical moments i would say even though you know like in the grand scheme of things all right your team went from two and ten to six and ten and you finished ninth and twelfth but it was a great thing to see you know kind of stress the importance of like not just psychology of a team but you know like what you're thinking about and and like how people communicate and the ability for like even a short you know bit of words or mood or attitude to kind of change how, how things feel and then for people to deal with this idea of it's okay to make mistakes. We're gonna we're gonna screw things up and that's fine. Everybody's gonna do it and we're just gonna go and continue to play Dota and you know we're gonna we're gonna like remember that we're good and we belong here.
0: And it might in the end with everything you've talked about, these players talking about should I go streaming, should I retire, et cetera, et cetera. That jump, even though it might not feel that huge, the jump from potential 16th to 9th or 12th was like an a factor of eight in prize, right? You went from a hundred case, I think about eight hundred, eight fifty or something like that. So that's what's so crazy about this TI is how much these individual series can mean. And it kind of, the thing you talked about, whether one series justifies your year or your tournament or not, right? Like, obviously the players going into the tournament, if you set the, if you asked them in advance, hey, if you guys could have 9th through 12th right now, would you take it? They would probably say no. But when you looked at where you were, relatively speaking, that must have been a huge relief, you know, on, on the bank account for the players too, right? Like, maybe some of the players are playing the season because they didn't get last. Like, maybe they would have quit. And that's how... How much can happen in one day, right? It's kind of crazy. That yeah, that's how
2: much now. your stock can drop too. You can go from yeah. being like desired by a lot of teams to like nobody, nobody. Like you said, nobody wants you. You got retired. The, the turbo last other thing is like it's like you didn't exist almost at the event because mm-hmm. then they don't use your. I don't think they use your interviews or assets for the main stage. Obviously, you don't get to right. play on the main stage. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you just got erased from existence, and like the money is such a huge gap, right? Like, yeah, it's it's. I'm sure that's the... one of the. Those TI things, I guess.
1: The best-of-one against Aster was probably very (laughs) nerve-wracking. I mean, best-of-ones in general, we've talked about how, Cinder and I, we don't... I mean, on some level, it's exciting as a viewer, but considering how much importance there is on TI, I don't think it's a good idea to have them in general. Like, I know this you're going to be a little biased in this, but what are your thoughts on best-of-ones at TI?
2: Um, I mean, I obviously would also rather not. It's it's just so brutal. Um, I you know, maybe from like the fan viewer experience it's it's really good because precisely of the stakes. But it's of course it's like brutal for teams and players. And there's also this feeling of sort of anything can happen. Um I think
0: more lottery ticket.
2: Yeah. There's <laughs> I, I think I just think that one of the things that some people talked about was sort of the difference between upper and like lower bracket um Mm -hmm. like somebody like ran the numbers of like if you had a team that had like a 50 percent chance to win they started upper versus lower it's like an astronomical difference um and to have that also be a best of one it just you know it's like every team that's won ti has come from the upper bracket um not there's anything wrong with that but like it's 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 so rough and then now you're throwing a best of one on top of it but i will say that again the group stage and how we finished that carried over very much into that game um when you're in the uh manager uh or coach room, or you can hear the comms of the players. They like play like the comms of the team to you, and so the whole Aster game, like it was, it was just some of the most calm, in zone, goal oriented communication that I've ever heard. You know, like especially from our team, it was just like, okay, we can give up this racks, it's fine. Okay, we can give up that Rax. it's fine. We're getting something returned. Which is just like, just just wait, just wait. This is our win condition. This is what we need to win the game. And then that's that's exactly what happened. Um, if you remember, like the buyback on on uh, Spectre into that fight. Yeah. And it was just, it was such a, like, you know, a lot of times things aren't going well, things get really hectic and you start, you just start feeding or just, just people get lost. That game was just like very, very smooth and focused. And that was like, wow, this is like, this is the beauty of like team Dota. This is like when it clicks, you know, people were so happy after that game. It wasn't even again, like, of course it was the win, but it was like how we did it, you know, like that was such a high point uh, for us. And th- those are one of the like many special moments like I said, like as talent, it's fun and it's nice, but it's not quite as fulfilling, I guess. Um, those are the things that you know I, I will remember, and like those are the things that I love about this game and the team side of things. That there's just no replacement for. That's cool
1: that they gave you the audio. I did not know that. That's that would have been nice to have when I was in the the bowels of this Seattle Supersonics disgusting fucking locker room watching the
2: games. I think that started in like Ti Nine or something. So oh, okay
1: uh all right let's let's talk about the new roster so yawar uh it i call him yawar does he really he doesn't care right if i say yawar it's just easier
2: he doesn't care he's, he's used to it by now i, know. I mean You're... his official handle is ys but you can call him yawar, yawar. I, I love
1: yeah. yawar yeah. uh quinn kezu is your position three he was also your coach at ti uh, milan and Ponlo. so talk to me about how this roster came about and what your hopes and dreams are
2: jack Um, to be entirely honest, uh, this, we, so after, after TI, um, there was this kind of feeling that like, again, because we put so much into this and because many of the players in this team played together for two or three years, there was this kind of feeling that it was probably like the last go around for the majority of the group, either people were going to stop playing or like people were going to look for like, you know, other teams and just like, at some point, again, it's such an emotionally exhausting and draining game that you just... We can only go through so much with the same people, right? Um, and, I, you know, it, like people, there's this feeling that, like, it was it was time uh, to move on. And then, uh, so afterwards, there were many possibilities and options. Like, some people, you know, were going to exploring or seriously looking at European options. Um, at that point, like, I myself was, was uh, to be honest, I myself was looking at other possibilities. I said, look, if the, if the majority of the team isn't back and it's not the same group, then you know, like the footing that I'm on is also potentially gone. Right. So I'm going to go and look at other possibilities too. Um, and eventually it was, uh, basically it was like Quinn and, and Yawer that decided to, to play together again and to, and to, to build this team. And so, um, you know, Kezu obviously is someone we worked with as our coach, um, great work ethic, very smart guy. Um, in the past, he's had like big opportunities before, but, you know, we feel obviously he's matured a lot since then and he's being empowered in, the, in this position on this team, basically as the captain, um, uh, Milan is someone that Milan is one of the options. He was the primary option that we're going to play for with for Singapore. Um, but you know, for various reasons, like shenanigans with like flight and stuff, he he couldn't make it. But during that stretch, like we like we enjoyed playing, like the team enjoyed playing with him. Like he communicated well and like he he made things easier, it felt like for like a lot of the players. So he was like, and he's also played with Kezu before. So it sort of became like a natural option. Um and then Uh, At the five, obviously, first it became a question of, was Avery going to come back? And, um, I mean, ultimately he decided not to. And then, uh, you know, it was like, if we don't, if we're getting sort of leadership and captaincy from another position, the five doesn't have to be a captain. So it can be sort of like a high skilled player, but someone with like, who's been spoken highly of, but also has like a lot to prove, because there's this sense of like, um, you know, like we want people that have this like hunger and like need to prove themselves. And,
1: Chip on the shoulder is the best fucking thing ever.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we felt like, again, Panlo had he played for, he He'd been passed over by a, a lot of, like, opportunities in his native region. And, uh again, he just, you know, and then he got together with the players. Obviously, they watch replays and talk about stuff and discuss if it's a good fit. And, you know, ultimately, uh, we decided to go with Panlo. And, you know, at the moment, there's still some concerns with, like, um Travel and visa and stuff like that that need to be resolved, especially as we're still looking for either sponsorship or an org. um So you know that hasn't fully been dealt with yet, but we're obviously trying like our best, and we're confident that we'll be able to you know get them over here, like uh, to to play for the season, obviously. And hopefully you know everyone else, to, the others, the other two in Europe, to follow as well, so we can get five people together as soon as possible.
1: Okay, very cool. We wish you luck. Um, yeah. yeah, let's talk. Bias casters, yeah, true. Uh, man, I was rooting for you guys hard. Uh, every time I predicted you to do well, you did poorly. Every time I predicted the opposite, you did well. So it's like, all right, I should just not care, and you guys would just win TI somehow. So
2: we found, we found that Lyrical <laughs> and Trent are actually, I think, they're our lucky charm because uh, I think they casted our uh, our series against uh, Windstrike a couple of years ago in the lower bracket, and they casted our uh, i don't know if they I, remember, I think they casted the aster game and then they casted our sg series which like we needed a 2-0 out of and we and we did mm. so we found that they're you know I, see.
1: I it's understandable they're very positive influence meanwhile we cast the shit show that was no ping versus quincy crew at Major, as we talked about <laughs> it's very memorable though i enjoyed it quite a bit well uh, i will
2: say that uh I mean, I guess I can reveal this, but you know, I'm kind of just joking around with. I know, I know Gabe pretty well; we go far back, and Gabe and uh, Trent, and uh, we're joking about like if we're eliminated, what they're gonna say. Um, and they're like, they're kind of just like bouncing around different words or ways to phrase it, just to, like needle me a little bit, you know. And then uh, one of the good ones they came up with was uh, lyrical. Was like, and with that, you know, like and with that, <laughs> like, and I was like, oh god, I hope I never have to hear you say that, you know, and with that Quincy Cruz whatever, whatever. So. Thankfully they didn't get a chance to do that to me, but um, it was was really fun to just think
1: about that. And with that, let's move on to the next topic, which is NA region. What are your thoughts on NA? Because again, I'm biased, you're biased, Sindarin's an idiot, but most people that watch Dota don't really care about NA. It's a joke. EG got second at two majors, then shit the bed at TI based on their uh, expectations. You guys didn't do as well as you would hoped at TI. The region, especially with a lot of shuffles, which we'll get to a little bit later, is looking a lot weaker than it did last year, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on on NA as a whole right now? Um, it's not just NA, but like the Americas, because South America just got dumpstered at TI as well.
2: Yeah, that was that was kind of surprising to be honest. Although the teams were were struggling going in, but I, I overall based on like early in the year, I expected South America to do better. And I expect them to continue to do better because they still have like you know, there's like investment, there's inf- there's resources, there's like a big player base still. So mm-hmm. I expect them to just get better and better. Um yeah, NA's in a in a in a rough spot. No two ways about it. Again, we have a tiny player base, which in many ways is being propped up by South American players. Um there's no depth of like talent. The quality of games is like usually extremely suspect. Um, it's it's not good. And then again, we're at the intersection where you have like the highest costs and like the lowest returns. Yeah. So, you know, finding any sort of sponsorship or people who want to come in is like, like why? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, we might be able to get something that makes sense for us and helps us, but you know, it's, it's an uphill struggle. I think the DPC, being consistent. Uh, I think this is the first time it's basically not been massively overhauled from one season to the next. That definitely helps. Um but for an NA team, I mean it's you know, I'm sure we're the least watched DPC league. Um you're even if you make like a major or whatever, again, 10 of 18 teams don't get anything, so you're not really getting that much prize, you're getting some viewership out of it. Mm-hmm. Um it's still like TI that really matters, so it's hard to like people. So like yeah, it's 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 hard, so,
1: and it's in a it's in a tough spot. All right, tell me this then, because we can combine topics here. You talked about how DPC can give more salary to, you know, based on the region, like the cost of living and whatnot. What can Valve do, or the community? I guess what can anybody do to make NA great again? Again, eg1ti. So okay,
0: there's a press. Was that NA being great, or was it eg?
2: Should Be we ask SunSpan? Because I feel like you know, the last time NA did a 2 3 at TI, SunSpan was was a part of making NA great by importing a bunch of players. That's so true. were there any did NA we...
0: players in that team? So Do
2: you uh, remember the BTS skit? The Moe? true American hero? <laughs> Moo is on. Oh that <laughs> uh, no, Moo. That's true. That yeah, remains Moe. one of the greatest Dota Wait, skits ever. Which skit? The, uh, the, like, True American where Dakota was, like, giving like, the quiz oh, to, like, yeah, yeah. we and, like... <laughs> or if anybody hasn't seen that, please, please go watch that.
1: I mean, there... I don't know if you guys had issue... Well, I guess it's just... Who was... Wait, what was your roster last year? Was anybody not... It was Lellis and Yawar, but Yawar has Green Card, I believe, already. He's had it for a while. He's a, he's a citizen now. He's a or citizen just a now. citizen now. Okay. And how did Lellis get in? Because... The issue with NA in the last couple of years is the border has just been basically closed, right? Which so just was he, lifted recently. I
2: he believe. didn't he didn't uh he didn't get in. Well, he's an American citizen as well cuz he was born in uh, the US. Oh. So he didn't get oh. in. He actually came uh once for his uh vaccination and when he was there in Florida there was a shooting at the mall that he was at. Oh my. So gosh. so and which he like you know, like he, he, he was close enough to like hear it and have to like run. Oh we were like, my god. All right, they really just like someone really just hates us out there. Like my player's coming here for vaccination and he's there's a malt like come on. You know, it's like it was it was ridiculous. Fucking America. That's
1: another topic entirely. Uh so yeah, what what do you think Valve can do? It could be D P C it could be literally anything. You talk about the increase in salary, that's a start. But like how do you entice more players to play in a specific region? Is it just something you have to market for, like as a whole? Uh, I mean, we see what league is doing. Like, I'm seeing Arcane fucking uh, advertisements in literally every platform I use now. It's, it's ridiculous. a damn good series, too. It is, yes.
2: I was saying, I was saying, I don't watch anime, but I'm I'm hooked on Arcane. It's it's quite good.
1: Same. So, what can they do, either of you?
2: Um, at this point, I don't really. I feel like there's like a certain critical mass. I don't know. I don't know what can really be done at this point, short of like some, you know, I don't want to say miraculous, but short of like NA teams like doing really well all of a sudden, I don't mm-hmm. really, I don't really see what, cause it's like, a it's like a combination of things. Like you have a small, uh, again, a small player base. You have people who have many sources of accessible entertainment. And so, um, like, they just have so many options, right? And so, like, why why would they choose this option if it's, like, something else? And then I think, I think as a part of outgrowth of that, like, people are also less, generally less tolerant of, like, poor game experiences. Like, I don't necessarily have, like, hard evidence for this. But I think, like, if an American plays, you know, a game or two of Dota and it's, like, really unpleasant for them, I think they're less likely to come back and play more Dota than someone elsewhere. Like, I think mm-hmm. if you're at a land cafe somewhere and you're playing with your friends and you, the game sucks or whatever, which maybe is less likely because your friends are playing, you'll you'll probably go play Dota. Or you're somewhere where, again, like where more, more people play or you don't have that many entertainment options or whatever. Like, you'll probably play. Um, if you're an American, you're probably not coming back. And that's like, there's, that's obviously a multifaceted, like, you know, part of the experience. And not all of it is necessarily something that Valve or anybody can solve. It's just, it just not popular. There isn't a player base.
0: Mm-hmm. Um I have um and I have a good are solution just not a
1: thing here as well Yes, I have a good
0: solution, Shannon that I think will reignite the the American scene. What if we took some of t i s prize pool and we made the league and this regular season in n a like Jack talked about more relatively compatible to the yearly salary in the region, so it's just worth more mm-hmm. uh and because of that, it's way more appealing for orgs and for sponsors to get involved because there's an easier path to return on investment because there's like a higher bottom level of how poorly things can go right. um, and then if the majors are worth more so it's not all about ti i think that would be huge for na like imagine this imagine nothing changes but the prize pools in the divisions are quadrupled i think that will bring orgs into the space if nothing else happens just that one thing because suddenly there's more viewership, there's more at stake, there's an easier path. Okay, if you have a team that gets top two, or even wins the league, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this, we can build something out of this, like there's some sort of return. Right now, what do you get for first place in NA? Is it 28k or something and a ticket to the major? It's like, it's, it's nothing for these orgs, right? There's no, they can't really get a return on investing into a team unless that team gets top eight at TI. And are you going to put your are you going to risk that in NA, or are you going to not risk it at all and just look to a different game? Right. So, I think it's just very unhealthy, and it's just for many of these orgs. Like, let's say, eg, eg have a lot of money, so they can afford it, and they can afford the risk because they can take the loss if things go poorly, uh, and they also have like a, you know, a relatively high guarantee based on the superstars that they can attract with the money that they have to build a team that has a good chance of getting top eight well, they or also winning have majors. Somebody right? like
1: Arteezy that is, you know they have they can make money presence. off of yes. just the brand itself that's a little bit absolutely
0: different, right? and if you're let's say any na org that is big let's say you're 100 thieves or you're cloud nine or your uh complexity or something like that and you're like okay should we invest into dota you just look at the bottom line and you're like this is not a good investment for us unless our team gets top eight at ti what's the track record of the region right well it's not great right so Unfortunately, from a business perspective, I understand that. I know obviously I mean this is not what Jack wants to hear right because he wants sponsorship <laughs> for his team, but he said I'm it himself the earlier stages
2: right? I accept I mean, but... <laughs> he said it himself
0: earlier, basically in different words right like that that's just how it is in its heart, so it's kind of more about how can you sell to these sponsors or these orgs that this is a team that has the potential, but obviously, you're always going to have the risk of loss, but why are we the one versus mm-hmm the other 10 previous na teams that didn't make it and this year even worse probably is that eg had a bad placement that probably does poorly for the region too yeah because now all of a sudden if the superstar team from the region gets a low placement at ti why should we invest it's not it just sucks so make the make the region worth more like i know it's easy for me to say just throw money at it but like come on it's nothing ti could easily drop Let's, let's not even be greedy here. Let's say TI cuts 5 million off, not even like 10 or 20 or whatever. Mm-hmm. That can go so fucking far in nursing these regions and making them relevant and bringing in sponsorships, which in turn then can help organic growth. It, TI is just dwarfing everything. That's, that's just how it and is. If
1: you look at it from EG's perspective, like if you just perception of the community, somebody asks some random person to come how did EG do this year? Their immediate answer is garbage mm-hmm. because they didn't do well at TI. They got second yeah. at two majors. That's they got fucking two major seconds. Insane. Yeah. Like we look at it from a whole really year long. standpoint, they had a really good year, just a disappointing yep. end, and that happens. Yep.
0: So, and unfortunately, that end was worth so much more than their two major second finals yeah. or second places combined in terms of potential. Like
1: it's like based on their year, I am shocked that they're actually changing, Which we're gonna get to this soon. They're changing their lineup because it's like you did didn't do well at one tournament, literally out of the entire year. That's fucking matters for everything. Uh, All right, let's move on to recent events, Jack and Cinderman. DPC Mm -hmm. regions were announced in terms of who's actually doing the production. So ESL will be doing North America and Europe. BTS has changed from NA to SEA. Epicenter has joined the fray with CIS. Uh, I don't think China was announced, but I know, obviously, Perfect World is involved. I don't know if they've put this on anybody else to do it or if they're doing it themselves, because usually they give it to somebody else. I don't know if you have any insight mm-hmm. info on that, Jack. <laughs> but, uh, and then the last one is South America is 4D esports, so an actual South American org is going to be in charge of the that. DPC. So that's really that's cool. That's great. What are your guys' thoughts? You go first, Jack. Yeah, go
2: first. Um, I guess I guess I'm a little bit surprised, but but I mean ESL does have infrastructure in North America. They're going to run the major, so it's not it's not that shocking. Um, and yeah, the 41 is nice. Like they ran a couple tournaments during the pandemic era, and it's nice to see that they're you know, able to do that. And they had there some very talented people, some who were at TI as well. So that's cool. That's nice to see. And, like that's that's a sign of growth there. You know, you have like an organization yeah. there that's homegrown, that's like coming up and participating. Um,
0: it's basically the exact like how to say a perfect example of what you were talking about na as a region does not have its own organizer for the dpc but now south america does right so it shows like that potential that even in this even though south america didn't do too hot at ti or whatever the value of the money that these teams and the region acquires at these international events can make a difference and in order to obtain the same results in na you just need a magnitude of whatever to multiply it by before you can compete, right? Um, so I, I think there's a huge spillover in what these prize pools do for eyeballs and for sponsorships and the general legitimacy of the esport in the region. And for SA, this was enough that these couple of results that they had in International Dota have, have been able to push the casting and the organizing to a level where it can be profitable. And these orgs can start taking over locally. So that's really awesome. And, I mean, obviously for me, I'm, I'm happy for ESL, and I'm happy ESL is doing it because they do a good job, but it would have also been nice if NA had their own representative organizer, right? Um,
1: yeah, well, let's talk about some omissions. Well, first of all, I'm glad to see Epicenter uh, mm-hmm. on this list because they have done some really cool tournaments in the past. But big omissions, uh, Dota Pit is not on this list. They did South America last time. Uh, we Play, which we'll talk about briefly, and PGL, who did TI and two regions last time around. So... I don't have any no. inside info. Well, I guess I can't talk about some of it, but does this surprise either of you at all? Like WePlay is the community favorite. I would I clearly everybody loves mm. WePlay. They are not on this list. Maybe they get a major, maybe they don't, but I think that's a little weird. Uh Dota Pit is smaller. They have occasional tournaments. They haven't really done a major right. or anything like that. And then PGL that does TI. That's strange, is it not?
0: You could have had PGL do EU and ESL do NA if you wanted to do the division. Uh, I don't know what ESL the perspective here... would not have here. been okay with that. No, I mean... EU is the creme de la creme and
1: NA is the course. toilet. No offense, Jack, of course. But I mean, we're I, all a part I, of it here, so... I,
0: I don't know... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how this whole process goes down, right? As far as I'm aware, the organizers apply... And I guess they need to show some sort of proof of concept and proof of finance that they can run it and that it won't be a shit show, That something that Valve can support. Mm-hmm. Um, for WePlay, that is definitely not a problem. They've got pockets. They're pretty deep. The tournaments they've run have not been cheap whatsoever. And, and they've they done have a an, really an good NA studio. Themselves.
1: An NA studio that's opening any day now, actually. So, yeah,
0: that's that's surprising. Uh, Valve have not seemingly been, uh, been too gracious with WePlay in general um, overall, but... Um, yeah, I I don't know what it is. It could be some policy thing. It could be, I mean, it's just pure speculation, right? Uh, But honestly, with all things considered, the biggest surprise is actually that PGL is not on there, I think. Uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with Valve's experience with this TI, how things went down, or if they just don't want to overstack that with PGL already having the TI contract, right? Um, but yeah, that's, that's the bigger surprise. I think Epicenter is a great competitor to WePlay in the CS region. I don't feel like this is like a total huge oversight because Epicenter do a great job as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it for
2: me. I, I can't, uh, obviously I can't comment too much on like, you know, inside stuff or anything like that. But I think one of the differences last year, you had a very <laughs> short time window for people to step up and do this. It's like from the time um, from like announcement to like execution was very short. So you had to kind of have this all hands on deck approach. Like who's here, who can do it? Um, this year, maybe a little bit less the case. Also, I think this this sort of balance that is talking about, where, like, one of the things you what you probably want to do if you're going to run it like this is you probably want to foster competition um, between, like, the different studios because you, you want them to, like, try to get better and try to do things, I mean, I, like, from an overall scene point of view. And so if you start locking down and securing things for people or, you know, they expect it, then what ends up happening is there's sometimes is this race to the bottom phenomenon where they start trying to just cut costs and quality on yeah. everything because there's no competition. So... There is that aspect of it where it's like, hey, we're gonna, you know, give you a chance or throw your bone, and like prove you could do it well, and you know, continue to, to compete. We we want the market to right. decide things. Right. So there there is that aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and I'm not a big even though I love ESL because they've employed me in the past, but uh, I don't like the idea of somebody having two regions either. I don't know if there weren't enough people submitting applications. I mean, I'm sure we play and. Well, P- hey, I feel like PGL. Yeah, PGL f- feels like they just didn't submit because yeah. they would have gotten it, unless something really bad happened that we're not aware yeah. of. But a lot of it's speculation. Uh, speaking of speculation, let's go into our last topic of this evening: Dota shuffles. So some of these are rumor based, but it's gotten to a point where I am quite confident that these are real. All some of them. them- Well, some of them are official as well, but... Obviously. Like, the EG roster, I am pretty... I'm 99% sure this is real now, based on, uh, who was it? Gabby tried out for them and leaked some of this stuff for both Secret and EG. So let's talk about these rosters, uh, which might make it a little awkward for Jack, because these are some of the teams that you're going to compete against now. Uh, EG is Arteezy, Abed, Nightfall, Crit, and Jerak. So... Obviously, Jarek's coming back. We talked about this uh, previously, Sinner. That's a huge deal. I uh, mean, we didn't think it was going to happen. Neither we, of us. Right? We did not. Think we
0: it thought was it was gonna... a fake rumor. Nightfall being it's still off-line. not confirmed.
1: I, Nightfall. That's his original. I mean, first of all, it's random. It's a CIS player coming to the NA now, which happened with Ramsey's, hmm. I guess didn't work out too well that time. So, a lot of question marks with this team. And I'm going to say this now. I think this is objectively okay. I shouldn't say objective. This is a very subjective look outlook this is just a worse lineup than they had previously. And I think number one nightfall being offline. It's a wild card. I have no idea. There's not like he's been playing position one for so long now that I don't think there's much to go off of. And then we talked about this last time center, the fact that they don't have a shot call, like fly is so underrated. Like maybe he's not as mechanically skilled as Jarax. I think that's pretty clear, but who is making the calls on this team? Everybody is so quiet. Like it, like, that is always the the thing that I look for, is like, who um, is their captain, and who's making the calls? Nightfall
0: is a very vocal player. Um, so perhaps the idea EG have here is, if this is the roster, still mm-hmm. pure speculation, but maybe the idea is that they want to try a captain from the offlane here, and then they want star power on the supports, um, if that's the idea. Jarek's is still a wild card. Like, let's say he comes back. How sharp is he going to be? The guy hasn't played that much Dota in years, unless he's playing on a Smurf that I'm unaware of. He had a short stint with streaming. He was like 7.5 or 8 KMR. He didn't like get super high up. Uh, so if you're putting all your stock into this guy, you need to really fucking believe in it. Because the last proof of concept you had was three years ago, which... Or two years ago? Two it's years. a long time by Dota standards. Taking a, a two-year break is a long fucking time in and this game. keep so, in
1: mind that both him and Jera, yeah. or both Jerax and Crit are position fours, like, lifetime. Yeah. So somebody's going to have to sacrifice
0: there. Jack, in what are your thoughts? one iteration of Shut EG. up, Cinder. I want to hear you. <laughs> just kidding. <Okay. laughs> well, go ahead. The whole time I iter- uh, definitely <laughs> want to hear
2: Yeah, no, no. no actually, go for, it. go for it. Wasn't there
0: an iteration of EG, or sorry, of OG, where Crit played five? Or was it just, like, a style they drafted at the time? where he was playing, like, Mm. saving supports. I think maybe he was still four, but he was playing a lot of, like, Wyvern, and, um... It was one tournament. I think it was with Frankfurt Major or whatever, with OG. Um, but anyway, yeah. Nightfall's very vocal, but, like you pointed out, Shannon, with Ramses as a previous three for EG, um... My biggest concern here is actually not with the shot calling, because I think Nightfall is very vocal. It's with farm distribution. I think this is a potentially very greedy player that you put there. Mm. Uh, and with Ramses, he was also soaking up a shitload of farm when they played. Uh, that was the great thing about Ice Ice Ice, is that he's a total wild card and can do all sorts of stuff. I haven't seen it from Nightfall. Um, I wonder if there's enough gold to be to be mined on the map for this team. Mm. <laughs> hmm, I'm not sure if I...
2: Hmm. Okay, so... Give your so, PR um, answer. <laughs> Nightfall, let's say that we we have reason to believe that Nightfall has played um, a lot of offlane heroes pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned like this, the sort of like being vocal. Like, I don't think, I think from EG's perspective, even from like a fan's perspective, I don't think you would say that Ramsey's was a failure because they played in like one tournament, right? And they came in second mm. and... No, so like that that I would say that worked out pretty well. Like like when we played against EG, like yeah, that was that was a good team, you know, like right. with Ramseys. So
1: So why do you don't think they didn't stick together? Personality has to be the best. Uh, I think thing. I mean I think plans? it
2: was I think it was really just just COVID. Um he just okay. he couldn't go there. He didn't want to like play remotely and, and all that. Um okay. and then so so yeah, I think like the the takeaway from that might be a little different. I think for what were you talking about like sort of captain or whatever from the offline? I think you're seeing that over the years, this like five role has probably changed a little bit. Um, it always used to be this sort of very, uh, I don't know, say like marginalized role in some ways. But if you look at like, you know, if you look at uh, Puppy, how he did this year, or poshcar or like some of the teams that, that did well or have been doing well, I think it's like a little bit different. Like the hero pools are expanding. I feel like the role, you know, goes beyond often just like sort of securing the lane now. Like you, it, it feels like increasingly the patches of the game have been moving towards making everyone as relevant and impactful as possible mm-hmm. so this this philosophy of like if you can get leadership from somewhere else you know like maybe you want the the, the highest skill there and then for, for jirax like jirax is not um i think you mentioned in side, but he he does make like pretty critical calls uh, as well and so for him to be able to do that and then also be like a natural playmaker that, that he's always been i, th- I think it, it makes some sense and I
0: guess part of the the stereotype of position fives being the leading shot caller in the game doesn't need to be the case. A lot of the time the role position five uh, performs in the team is from a drafting perspective. But with EG, if they're going to maintain their coaching structure, they largely have Bulba drafting. So they don't need any of the players to take the primary reins on drafting. Right. Uh, and that means they can focus a lot on their individual place. So if you get a star started lineup with a couple of people that can shot call in-game... Um, You don't need this like traditional position five because Dota doesn't work that way anymore. Anyway, like everybody needs to be able to shot call make decisions, see opportunities. Um, And like our stereotypical view of what a quiet player is doesn't necessarily mean that they don't make, you know, some players say less. But if what they say carries enough weight and the team respects it, a couple of really good calls in a game from every player is enough. It doesn't need to be uh a speech or a detailed breakdown of everything because the players know what to do i don't
1: i don't disagree i I just think like mechanically speaking maybe this lineup is better than their previous one mm -hmm. but i think just looking at it on paper like balance wise it doesn't feel right to me at all i I
0: could i could i could agree with that and i'm mainly looking at it from like the strategic like the macro level of how they're going to play the map and how the players perform in, in combination if this is how it goes down uh, I really liked Ice, Ice, Ice for EG, theoretically speaking. I, I remember we talked about this lineup when it got announced, Shannon, and we were both really excited for EG because we thought he was such a good fit for how Artesia and Abid play as a, as a duo, basically, mm-hmm. as cores. Uh, with Nightfall, that's still the wild card for me. Uh, so yeah, two big question marks here. How's Nightfall faring in offlane? And if it is indeed Jerax, what's his form going to be like? How quickly can he get back to be a top star? Right. Um, I mean, All right, let's... if anything... Sorry, final comment, but this is kind of interesting to me. Has there been a previous example of a player coming back from like a two-year hiatus and then getting a superstar slot in a team? Has anyone done that before? Two years? Yeah, it's been two years, right? I'm not no, wrong it about has. it. Two years and a bit even. I mean, Anna was six I feel months, like every right? player that came back has had to build themselves up a little bit, right?
1: Yeah, maybe it hasn't happened before.
0: Uh, so that's DPD's really taken interesting. some
1: long breaks before. Not two years though true years is a long that's time. fair,
0: no, yeah. but if it's Derek's they have a lot of faith in him, and I mean, I respect that sometimes you go for the for the big move, right yeah um, let's uh, see th- if that's true. the
1: thing, like you're going for a, a i mean theoretic i mean I don't know, maybe I'm in the minority here. this is a risk when you had a line it's that a was risk fucking amazing it is and you just definitely had one hundred uh team mm-hmm. secret again, some of this is not hundred percent confirmed, but I think that
0: it i'm it's as close to confirmed confident as confident enough that this confirmed.
1: is yeah. We got Nisha, Sumail, Ice Ice Ice, Yapsor, Puppy. So the additions are Ice 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 and Sumail, well is moving to one. Sumail mid, which means Matu's gone. Um, and Ice, Ice Ice in the offlane. What do you guys think? This lineup looks really fucking good.
0: Yep. Looks, str- looks strong to me. I understand how the pieces work together. I uh, think this could potentially be a superstar team just like it was for Secret this year. Unfortunately, TI did not go as well for them as they had hoped. They still got top three though. Um, but yeah, the, I have very little to say negatively about this team. I just think it looks super strong.
2: Yeah. There, there are, there are, um, a number of players who think that Sumail is a, a much better mid than he is as a carry. Um, so, right. you know, it's sort of this return to like natural positions that some, that some people have. And like, same, same with like, I mean, Nisha a pretty good mid, but Nisha was also an incredible carry for a lot of that stretch too. So there's like some element of that, but yeah, it's another like, Obviously, very accomplished uh, star power team. I think one of the things to watch for this group, and I, I guess Secret kind of did it this year, but I mean, it's, it's an open, open secret, if you will, that like they didn't really play or grind that much for like the second half of the season, I'm um, leading into TI. So I think that's something to, to watch. Like, uh, is this you know or, like because that's one of those things that's tricky within a team. Like, if you have people who want to grind and play, and maybe people who don't if you're not on the same page about it it can it can be like a tricky thing to manage um, yeah. and so you know it's it's hard to say but ultimately again it is what the TI that matters so if they felt burned out whatever the case may be from like all the winning and all the success and they're just like hey let's you know let's lay lay out, put on the back burner until TI and then you know they turn up and get third i mean who's to argue with that cuz again it's yeah. the TI that matters right so. indeed
0: and they easily could have gone to that finals too it was they were ahead in game 3 against uh, team spirit and ultimately, one or two key mistakes actually lost in that game. So who knows? This whole narrative could have been different, and they could have even won the whole thing. It was, it was very close to being secret there. So,
1: yeah. so who am I missing from this uh, liquid roster? We have Matu You're coming not from Secret, Mikke, Zai, Insania, and then the fifth players hasn't been even rumored yet. I guess
0: technically Insania hasn't been confirmed, but is he's like he's liked right? some
1: tweets, Sindarin. That's good enough for right.
0: me. Uh, Zai, Miki, and Matu have joined the roster I believe officially in the in the system I mm-hmm. don't think the other two players have yet, but I'd be very surprised if it isn't Insania plus a position 4, and then what some people are debating is, is that going to be uh, is the 4 going to be Zai or is the 4 going to be either um, Taiga staying with the team or Boxy switching to position 4 because he actually plays that as well, and in a lot of Liquid strategies, uh, they would run Taiga as more of a 3, and actually put uh, boxy in more of a four role even though he started in the offlane uh, in those games they would like transition um, there's some interesting possibilities for Liquid, um, I think more than likely with Matu and Miki though they're not keeping Koikva. I think that's probably the writing on the I wall they here
1: they confirmed um, that yeah. that he's a streamer now I'm pretty sure that was right. confirmed so, okay. which his stream is doing really well so I can't really play yeah, him. he's <laughs> but, doing great uh, uh, any thoughts Jack?
2: I think it was an, similar to us, there's another one of those, you know like it's probably time for a change like those guys had been together longer than we had i think like four or five years or something and so you know if you if you don't feel that the the ceiling is really changing or you're moving you know like or maybe arguably even results going backwards a little bit then yeah it's time to shake things up a bit and they got some uh, really high skilled high profile players and this is where um sort of the value of like a well-run org and all that is is very apparent right because like they have so much to offer I, i think in terms of Decision making, obviously resources, like lifestyle, just general swagginess and coolness. I think I think they have a lot to offer. So it's nice, nice to see that they're kinda, you know, going back in this direction of like um, getting like premier like star talent onto their team. All right.
1: All right. And then the last roster which was confirmed and announced.
0: Very big surprise, this one.
1: SCA organization, which I personally had never heard of, but apparently they are big. Talon. We have Gabby, Mikoto, KP, Hyde, and Fly. So Fly is going to S-E-A. That was the biggest surprise by far. I think oh, yeah. Gabby is a fucking beast, by the way. I love this guy. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts here?
0: The three cores on this team are, in my opinion, probably top three or at least top five in the region. In every position, you could argue... With Gabby, you could argue, is he even the best? Mikoto, in many ways, is he the best mid? Like, there's these are some superstars that just haven't had like these huge international results. I think Gabby won one major uh, with TNC, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but Mikoto still needs a big breakthrough. Uh, he has to be super hungry. He's really fucking good, but hasn't really got there. Uh, KP has played at the biggest stage. He got second at TI. Um, I'd, I have to admit, I don't know very much about. And then Fly speaks for itself. So. This is going to be a contender in SEA, I think. Uh, main concern is the whole cultural side of things, like how's Fly going to fit into an SEA dynamic? It's always uh, an interesting question when these uh, rotations between regions happen, but I'm pretty hopeful for them.
2: It's, yeah, it's an interesting. T- I, I don't really have too much to add to that. There's some very, again, very talented core players. Um, there's always this sort of argument that if the C players aren't leaving and they have like, you know, good leadership or captaincy or whatever, it's like it helps them. Like, they seem to do pretty well um you know you can look at march as an example with like t1 or like wherever so obviously they have a very experienced and accomplished um five coming in and fly um yeah makoto has been like makoto and gabby are both spoken of very highly i think by like most players like makoto was just like again always under the radar but like man this guy's a really good mid and then gabby i think gabby was um Loki, one of the most sought after players, I think uh, this cycle in like multiple regions. Like there are many possibilities. He's very well regarded as a player. Um, so, and I think uh, what Gabby and KP won to a major together on TNC, I believe. So you know, KP's obviously looking to like prove himself again. He's sad, had some. We can thank rough Gabby times.
1: for leaking all the rosters as well. I believe uh, yeah. after not making a <laughs> couple teams. Uh, <laughs> Leaked it for all of us. To oh, enjoy. these are the
0: teams that turned me down. Well, here you go, guys. These That's are right.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, with that, let's go to our last segment of the day, which is trivia between Jack and Cinderin.
0: Jack, so, I never lose. Cinderin has lost lose. about
1: eighty percent of these, so a lot of pressure on incorrect. you, Jack. To, to you get don't this. know how
0: statistics work, Shannon.
1: So the, the first, the first one that Jack gave me for you, Cinderin, I think he's going to have to create a multiple choice now. That look, because this is way too hard, but. Cinderin, oh. what hero does Jack hate the most to play against? Jack, give four options. Okay.
2: I don't actually. No, no. I think I feel like Cinderin should should know this one. I don't. Okay. I don't know if All he right. gets a multiple. If you think he should,
1: first. then that's fine by me. Cinderin?
2: Uh, uh, okay. What you could do instead is you could give him. You give him two tries. Creating the multiple choices to is too too difficult. Okay.
0: Shannon, how about you create a multiple choice and then you give him my question first? I literally don't know his correct answer, so that's going to be pretty
1: difficult to do so. Okay. Right?
0: <laughs> I mean, hopefully you get it right. Well, think really Probably hard. Have better odds than we did in the SAP segment.
1: According to him, you should know this. So, <laughs> think. What hero does Jack
0: hate playing against the most? Yeah, I feel like I should know this, actually. Somehow I should know this, but why? Have you played with Jack before? Has he fallen asleep in any of very your games little. before? But I feel like he talks about like whenever this hero gets brought up, he makes sure to talk about it at dinner. How much he fucking hates it. But I
1: wait while you're thinking about this. Now that I brought this up, Jack, what is the whole thing about you falling asleep while playing Dota? Um, do you have narcolepsy? Jet lag, <laughs> extreme jet lag. That last the a desire
2: lot for sleep just often overpowers the you know the other processes <laughs> that that go on. I mean, yeah, I was just I was I've been jet lagged a lot. My sleep is... This is another sort of, I guess, talent thing, but my sleep has been much worse since I started doing all that stuff, like adjustment to jet lag, obviously getting a bit older, um, not having the healthiest habits for some time. Um, well, you know, you're just, looking
1: pretty, no, no pun intended, you're looking really jacked these days. Has that helped? Thank you. Thank you. In any regard? It,
2: it, it definitely has, but also, like, my body has decided to switch to some, like, biphasic sleep schedule now. Mm. Where it's like i used to just sleep all the way through, but now it's like three, four hours in, you know, one cycle's done, and then sometimes I get the other cycle, sometimes I don't. So I see. Mm.
1: All right, hopefully that's great. Okay, I enough have a time guess. for Cinder and to guess. Okay.
0: I'm going for my guess. It's gonna be triant. No, nope. nope. that
1: it
0: was is, not correct.
2: Do I do I get do I get to
0: just just, just, well, wait, just say you it, man. No
2: it said two heroes. So I'm sure you're right, Arc Warden you,
0: oh. is my second guess
2: no 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 it's uh it's the invoker i'm sure you've you've probably heard this before the um this hero especially you know like i played a lot of pubs with the commentators in china we would always play against this hero and he would always destroy us like this is the only hero in the game that freaking gets its own runes on demand except for (laughs) illusion this is this hero has like for some reason a ridiculously good animation and damage like he's super annoying he's fast He's invisible. He runs, he like, he has these crazy spells like, you know, from across the map or whatever that combo well with stuff. He just like does so much and he's so elusive and annoying. And, I, and he has the most annoying freaking laugh or talk, you know, the, the uh, whatever. I can't even imitate <laughs> it. I'm just getting heated. Just thinking about it actually, but and he has a persona. So this hero is like designed in every way to be as infuriating you, as yeah, possible. You fucking hated and, him already I, and then they yeah, turn I, him into in, an annoying little <laughs> shit. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. Right, that's a good answer. I I can okay. respect that, Cinderin. All right. Uh, yeah. your question for Jack. Jack, how many TIs has Cinderin played at?
2: Oh, so I feel like we talked about this in Romania. I feel like we had like one of them late night heart to hearts about. Uh, but I feel like I missed one during that conversation. So I'm gonna go with three,
0: four. Very that's close. Wait, can I try to name them? Is
1: it? Oh, okay, go ahead.
2: So there was the one with the escape, right? I think that was five. That was six. That was six. Okay, I already. There was like the disaster one. I think that was three. Which one of them? (laughs) Which (laughs) one of the disasters do you want? There was the the team configuration one. (laughs) The kebab Um, playing
1: Venom with one hand? Is that the one you're talking about?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that was was two. two that was two okay so yeah. so but but is three also one of them
0: yeah that was okay with Miles so Sports. two
2: three and then i i don't know if i was it was it one
0: yeah okay that was, yeah one two not a three very, uh, not a very memorable performance i think in many ways so you missed four and five right yeah i was ca- i was casting at both well you were casting
1: at all of them you took people's jobs because of it
0: I did a TI2 on Valve's request <laughs> cast a bit. They yeah. asked me hey do you want to cast a couple of games and I was like sure.
1: Eh, sure. I'll take this guy's minute. job no problem. I
2: yeah. should remember these because I remember just again, it's kind of new the scene at the time but I was like how like you know how much regard and esteem I had for cinder and still do because there there are very few players that can do that, who can play at that level and also commentate as, as well as you. Do. I don't I don't think there's like how many yeah, if other... already? Paid,
0: Jack, you've already paid to be on here. You don't need to go. It's, it's good enough. Yeah. I'm
2: trying to make up for all the basketball stuff earlier by you know like, like who else is even? What their comments It's it's like fog, this, right? Like this, it was like a this regular. This doesn't work with
0: Danish people, man. We, we don't work, we don't work this way with compliments. It just just gets awkward. We don't know how to react, so we just make a joke about it instead of saying thank you. So
2: that's good. I'm also bad with compliments, so you know we can we can make each other uncomfortable.
0: Perfect. We should make okay. a team. And get last to TI and then implode. This chart- and then some of your players will get picked
2: up by secret, right?
0: Yeah, that's probably how it's going to go. Yeah. Well,
1: Cinder, and uh, I'm sorry about this because you just mentioned that you don't like it, but
0: uh, what is
1: Jack's favorite basketball player?
0: Oh. Well, I have a little bit of a hint with this from the start, I guess.
2: Oh, no, no not him. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I mean, my best Cinderin guess based on what I've heard this episode, Michael Jordan.
1: He said no. So pick... All right. I well, said you, it wasn't him. It you could know have been like, Jeremy Lin. You know like five. Oh, I thought you were talking... Wait, were you... Did you mean Jeremy Lin when you were saying no, no, not him? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about... So
0: him. I, I went with uh, Michael Jackson.
2: Okay.
1: Well, my... I think <laughs> you didn't tell me the correct answer, but I'm almost positive it is LeBron James which I hope that has wavered a bit since he's joined the Lakers because that was a disgusting move, Jack. Okay. Can we agree on that at least?
2: <laughs> well, uh, so, I mean, I'll explain this. It's not really for, so yeah, I still think MJ is, is, you know, the best, the, the most stylish, the most terrifying, whatever. But the, the LeBron thing that I've just come to appreciate more is like, if you think about like his, his sort of upbringing, like the circumstances that he grew up in, you know, like again, moving around like nonstop, losing his friends, like, just being essentially like, like a vagabond for like his early years, right? And then uh, consider the fact that, again, it's really the human side of this more than the basketball side. Consider the fact that he had such huge expectations placed on him, like he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated and like anointed as like the next great basketball player when he's like 16 years old, right? And then he actually, I would say more than lived it. up to that. Yeah. And that's that's crazy that like someone who had this start, this difficult of a start in life, and this much expectation and pressure put on again. These are all things that like you experience or see when you're part of a competitive team is able to just be at his level of success for that long. Plus, like the way he does things, like the way you know, again, there's like some of the pouty stuff, and that's not cool, but the way he goes about trying to like empower his teammates and like make people better and build like the sort of team like atmosphere and like culture, like it's I think just anybody who accomplishes those things from that situation, even if there's things you don't like about him is worthy of like a lot of, a lot of respect. And that's what puts him as far as a favorite over MJ for me, because you know I, I feel like I relate more to like the difficulty of that having been followed LeBron since like, You know, since he was then, then with like the whole MJ story, it being like more of a sort of distant, almost mythological story of like Mm -hmm. MJ's exploits. So I I think that's the part that I really respect about
1: him. I can definitely understand that, and yeah, he's had a huge impact on the league. I think some of the stuff has gone to the extreme. Like player empowerment has become a little ridiculous. Let's be real, but overall, it's like his fucking agent, Rich Paul. My God, dude, with the Ben Simmons situation, God help us all. Uh, But yeah, I agree. He's really fucking good. Uh, even though he's on the Lakers. Jack, speaking of sports, what sport did Cinderin play growing up? He gave me two answers, and I'll accept either of
2: them. Two answers. So there's like sort of the obvious ones. Like there's like... But... mm... I mean, he's not very
1: athletic. Just keep that in mind.
2: Hey,
0: you watch your mouth.
2: I, I you have to go with you
0: like barely even play basketball for ten minutes, Shannon. You yeah, don't I mean, get I'm, to judge.
1: I'm athletic if I lost my weight, okay?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I'm deep athletic deep if I trained.
2: <laughs> I have to go with like soccer and hockey. No. Hockey, is. wow.
1: Wow. I mean soccer is a fair uh guess that because statistically is Europe. a
2: good choice.
0: Yeah. They're so, both wrong.
1: Both wrong. They both involve a racket. So First one is tennis. Oh. And the second one is a different version of tennis. Is it
2: like badminton or something? Badminton, yes. yes. Very okay.
1: good. Any stories, Cinderin?
2: In,
0: not in particular because I wasn't like outstanding or anything, but uh, we should like, play our, some Our club, our club, relative to the size of the of the town, or yeah, it was a town I grew up in. It was it was honestly pretty good. Um, and we had some we had some decent players, and it was like it was nice, but it's, like nothing. It's not too spectacular, interesting to talk about. But I think what happens to a lot of people that kind of also happened to me was that ultimately some of the players uh, that I used to play with the most like moved physically or just moved on to do other things because you hit like your teenage years and some of them just lost interest in the sport and then it kind of just dwindled uh that was mainly with tennis and then badminton i carried over a bit longer i think like for most people with sports right it's about what do your friends play and as long as my friends were actively playing we played together and then ultimately things just moved on so very like casual level but
1: you've gone from tennis to badminton we've played
0: ping pong
1: together there's a reason I time, like the racket sports, Shannon. It's time for you to play pickleball. It's fucking awesome, Cindarin. It okay, is I, so good. I thought
0: you were gonna say something like, uh, "What's it called?" There's also a version of tennis that you play with like a pad. Yeah, it's pickleball,
1: oh, like like
2: squash or is it? that pickleball?
0: Actually, pickleball is like if it's it's as if ping
1: pong. You're on the table as a little miniature guy. That's basically what it is. It's fucking mm-hmm. awesome. You have a paddle. Uh, it's like a half of a tennis court, essentially. It's really good. It's it's for oh, old. Oh, it's people. called
0: it's called paddle, the sport I'm talking about. Okay, well, paddle is a racket sport.
1: Pickleball is better than paddle. Where the fuck that
2: is? It's paddle definitely sounds sport. like a racket sport.
0: Oh. oh, so paddle is a different sport. There's something called paddle tennis, which is a different sport as well. To okay, that one. Okay. Great. to you now.
1: All right. Moving yeah, on yeah, to the yeah, last question right. for each of you. Uh, wait. Why do I? Okay. I, I messed this up a bit uh Sindarin, gotcha. what mm-hmm. are jack's uh, this is a weird one what's his favorite fruit or fruits i'm trying to understand the reason that you wrote it that
0: way favorite fruit or fruits
2: i i just i wanted to, to give him multiple possible answers
0: okay oh so it's kind of like the one with the sports for me that i need to get one right Oh, what do you really I'm like? I'm actually
2: not sure why you would know. I mean, th- this is on me. This is just a terrible... <laughs> I just, you know, I was kind of busy yeah. and I just...
1: At least you admit it, unlike Cinder and with every one of his <laughs> fucking questions. It's
0: a little bit harder to come up with, like, 30 fun facts about yourself than three, Shannon, okay? I have to do this many times over and I don't get to That's recycle it unless... He, okay, Jack I'll give you a hint. It has,
2: it has seeds. or The first one has seeds.
0: Um, you like passion fruit. I'm going to say Watermelon. I don't know the answer, by the way. You yes! don't get to guess it. Yes. You don't get to guess. That is a really good choice, though. That's a great fruit. That's the
1: only time I've eat... ever. I hate watermelon, by the way. All right.
0: I'll say the other ones. <laughs> the other one is. The other one is blueberry.
1: Yes, that's correct. Oh actually. my! You like the worst fruits. <laughs> They're actually the worst. Blueberry was <laughs> a late blueberry. I don't, little, I don't blueberry know why blueberry
0: stands out to me though, but I feel like we've had some dessert at some point at an event or whatever, and it was blueberries, and I remember you being excited about that. I think it was some sort of like the little. Wow. the little pastries think, or whatever No,
2: i think general. all right i think i know what it was we were at the we were at the bar at, at ti and i and there was like a blueberry cider or something and i, and like something and I, I made sure that, i was like oh. yes this is great yeah that oh, might have oh, been shit. it
0: that might have been it okay um, right
2: i don't know how people dislike watermelon there's got to be some it's so fucking good adult. i don't like it's, it it's like it's, it's one, one of those like, it, fruits it. where you can taste like
1: dirty water like, to me
0: shannon also what? doesn't like tomato like just don't trust that guy i don't like, like tomatoes either. He can't take tomato. It's like the most If basic I had to rank integral we should have fruit.
1: a we should have a fruit tier list. I would legit put we blueberries that, and watermelon at the bottom. That would be my We've least. We've done favorite.
0: it, Shannon. We've already got a melon cantaloupes. Cantaloupe and you put well. tomato really far down.
2: Look, I, I think watermelon is one of the few that I it's like bottom like I like I've never I can I can just go on eating watermelon like continuously until I'm yes. forced to stop or run out of watermelon. But like yep. some of the other fruits, like some of the passion fruits or whatever, there's like kind of a limit, you know, like you, you, mm-hmm. you've, you've had, you know, but watermelon That's does true. not have this. All right. Limit.
1: I will say I have legit, because I hated it so much as a kid, not had actual watermelon in probably 15 years. So it's possible that I like it now. It is possible. I will admit that.
0: Imagine avoiding that for that long. When's the last time you had a tomato, Shannon? Recently, they suck. Okay. Still. Well, that's, that's
1: okay. okay. The you last time it. I ate that's a raw fine. tomato it's was fine. on the show and I almost vomited. All right. Last question for Jack. Though. The true <laughs> test if Jack watches this show, which again, he claimed to, then obviously proven he didn't. And now it's kind of wishy washy, kind of watches every now and then. What is Cinderin's dog's name, Jack?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend to think about this one. I have no idea. <laughs> I knew it! You joined on false pretenses. You (laughs) lied.
0: Okay, so I think the name of my dog has been asked in two or three trivias so far with different Yeah, We could
1: could legit ask it every single time. I think we're going to do that from now on.
0: Okay, give
1: you a clue. It's a vegetable. It's a vegetable you would not want to eat by itself usually. There's some psychopaths out there.
2: Uh, By itself? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, eggplant.
1: No, it's not a bad guess. That's a better name for a dog.
2: <laughs> That's also a name for a dog. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't mind that. No. I don't know, celery. <laughs> oh,
1: no. Uh, the correct yeah, the answer is in fact onion. It's dog's the name. The Danish word
0: for onion, because onion is not a good dog name, Shannon, but Loy yes. is a good dog name.
1: I know. I know. It's funny to say onion though.
0: Yeah, you, you're like the only person calling him Onion, and it's spreading. It's like when this <laughs> meme started, because I think That's there was this meme me. in my stream at one point that I was Swedish, and then it fucking spread to broadcast, and now <laughs> that meme has never disappeared. People come into my stream and are like, hey, you're my favorite Swedish streamer, and they just never let it go.
2: It's I'm just like, disappointed in not knowing that, despite watching the show, like, every single time. Yeah, so right. yeah, I I it's really impressive
0: how you missed that one. He's appeared on camera. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Talk about them like it every happens. other episode on average, probably. Uh, all right, Jack, Unlock thank you, you for joining us on this guest episode. Is there anything that you would like to say or even a topic if you wanted to do a last-minute topic? Up to you.
2: Uh, oh, I, I didn't know this was an option. Jeez. Me I, neither. I, I don't know if we missed I it. I just want to get out so. of here. I, I would have prepared for I know it's getting late over there for Cinderin. Oh, uh, what is this? <laughs> Turn your
1: camera back on, you idiot. My overlays. Oh, he actually left the call. All right, continue, Jack. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. And um,
0: hello. hello?
2: Right, Turn your, You, the you ruined insane. the overlay,
1: you idiot.
0: I did an insane misclick. Though. I don't even know how I did that. Yeah, that's a it real was...
1: misclick. Go ahead, Jack.
2: Thanks for having me on. I hope to, you know, see you guys soon at another land so we can, you know, shoot, shoot the shit like we like we did like we have been. It's been fun, and uh, yeah, please, please help us. We, we need your help. It's a dire situation over here in North America. <laughs> like save us you know we need hey, some, uh... just like
1: it says sponsor so on the overlay you can't see it right now it says sponsor us that includes quincy crew wait are you guys sticking with the name for now as well Officially? uh we can only
2: stick with the name if we get enough independent sponsorship if not we will be flying someone else's banner which looks increasingly likely at this point but okay you know with your help now like, <laughs> no, sell please. out
1: all you want brother please <laughs> I'd like to keep the rhythm, uh, right, That That's a little too cringy, Jack. You don't want to make yourself look too susceptible here, all right? That's a little little over the line, but no, we, Jack, obviously. I wish you and your
0: pathetic team good luck, Jack.
1: We, we do wish you luck, always rooting for you. Jack is one of my favorite uh, personnel. I don't know, you know what to call you because, like you said, you're the jack of all trades oh, here. Here come but, the
0: fucking compliments again, huh? Let's you just are make the, it awkward on the way out, dude.
1: The most, uh, this is an insult to Cinderin by me saying this. You are the most okay. eloquent person in this i was
0: leaving anyway it's
1: <laughs> you've already oh, you left go. once all right thanks for joining us everybody <laughs> and until next time have a great day or night wherever you are
2: see ya take care thanks, jack. My onion. bye onion say subscribe
0: jack <laughs> say subscribe jack we say things oh, yes. that don't mean right. then then but thanks for listening
1: <laughs> yeah.